Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. Hello, and welcome to the 44th episode of Proceed Value. I am your host and your producer, Sarah Rachel Brown. It is October 11th, which means a few things. First, that New York City Jewelry Week is just about a month away. From November 18th through the 24th, NYC will be a buzz with events happening all over the city in celebration of, what else, jewelry. As we count down the days to this epic week, I'll be sharing with you all events that I am excited about, and of course, partaking in. NYCJW will be launching this year's events page on October 18th. So do yourself a favor and set a reminder so you are in the know and can start planning your week as soon as possible. To kick off my highlights, I'm going to start with my first love, contemporary jewelry. Dream Machine, curated by Betsy Lewis and Sylvie Alswitz. Also, oh, Sylvie, if I wrecked your last name, I am sorry, girl. Anyways, this exhibition will feature all forms of metalworking, jewelry and objects and the in-between. As the contemporary jewelry field evolves, the curators seek to highlight the innovative ways artists push traditional processes. Exhibition will be taking place at Abrams Art Center that's located at 466 Grand Street. Now, for specific dates and times, you're going to need to check the NYC Jewelry Week events page next week. Marta Matson, who will be coming over from Sweden, and Lore Lang- Langerdries from the Netherlands, and I'm sorry, Lore, if I mess up your last name. These artists all have their own unique way of transforming natural materials through experimental and digital techniques to create man-made and modern curiosities. In materials like mother of pearl, amber, dried insects, and fur, these jewelry artists seek to trigger our ideas of how humans perceive the world and our heritage. With their pieces, they are leaving a bewildering footprint of artifacts for a future species to marvel over and to comprehend. This exhibition will be taking place at Flores Bella, that's located at 55 East 11th Street, and again, dates and specific times to be announced. And of course, I have to mention my first curatorial endeavor in which I have teamed up with New York City Jewelry Week co-founder J.B. Jones and jewelry blogger A Thousand Facets. Lonely Hearts Club is a jewelry show about heartbreak, love loss, breakups, and how we've all survived. All the jewelry will include a heart. The exhibition welcomes over 30 jewelers from across the world, from fine jewelry to contemporary jewelry. We just signed on our location in Manhattan, so I can't give away all the details just yet, but it's going to be epic, and the reception will be taking place on Friday night, so plan accordingly. Again, the full events page is launching in the coming week, so make sure to check out nycjewelryweek.com for all the details. And, you know, of course, 
Thank you, New York City Jewelry Week, for being an official sponsor of the podcast. October 11th also means that the American Craft Council Conference is taking place right now, right here in Philadelphia. And there is a lot going on. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of recording on site in the Sky High facility for creative work. And I recorded two interviews that I'll be releasing in the coming months, and they were real good. So get ready. Thank you so much to the ACC for partnering with Perceived Value for this event. You know, there's nothing more I love than connecting people and making things happen. So when a few months ago I received an email from the ACC team asking if I had any recommendations for a DJ in Philadelphia, I was more than happy to connect them with my new DJ friend. And although he's currently based in Chicago, Illinois, he's from Philadelphia, and I thought, if the right opportunity present itself, he'd probably want to come home for it. Well, here we are, a few months later, and tonight, October 11th, the American Craft Council is hosting a mixtape release party at Paradigm Gallery, which is a really fantastic gallery located right here in Philadelphia. This mixtape release party will feature the stories of the 2019 Emerging Voices artists and finalists spun together in a dance party by DJ Major Taylor, a.k.a. Ralph Darden, a.k.a. my podcast guest today. And this will be set alongside Colossal's Material Properties Exhibition. It's going to be a really great night, and the party kicks off at 9 p.m. and goes to 11 p.m. And if you hear this, because it's getting released today... Um, and you're in the Philadelphia area, of course, this event is free and open to the public and is not to be missed. So again, that's Paradigm Gallery tonight, 9 to 11 p.m. Come dance to what DJ Major Taylor will be spinning. But before the dancing begins, let's get to know DJ Major Taylor, a.k.a. Ralph Darden, a little better. He's a self-taught multi-instrumentalist who composes, of course, DJs, and produces, pretty much does anything music related. Since May, we've become fast friends because Ralph is just one of those people with an infectious energy that he just can't get enough of. So please welcome today's guest, Ralph Darden. I feel like this is going to be one of those interviews where you do ask not. A, I don't get I asked, a lot of questions. I, I don't get questions. asked a lot of questions on the podcast because I'm the one asking the questions. I know, um, but that's not to say that I'm not comfortable with asking questions All right. or answering questions. All right. I mean, you can turn around on me. I don't care. Let's do, let's do let's do it. Let's, <laughs> oh my god, Ralph. let's fucking do this. Oh, should we just do it? Should we just do a regular show on a regular basis? Um, maybe. Yeah. Could we get it sponsored? You know. If you and I do a show, if I'm, I'm going to be like, we need to get these motherfucking sponsors. Let's get this. <laughs> let's get this Skrilla. How would we let's do it? Well, you know what? You are a technology kind of guy, so you could mm. figure out how to do that long distance. I mean, I know you can do interviews via long distance, via Skype. Uh-huh. I mean, people do this stuff all the time, mm-hmm. but um, I have consistently turned that down because I really like the human interaction part of it I for me. Too. Yeah, like this would not be the same, Ralph, if you were in Chicago on your laptop. Yeah, it would be it would be a tease. Yeah, like yeah. you know, it's all about going and getting a burger beforehand, oh and then God, some so, water ice. So popular. Did someone text you? Are you huh? looking, are you looking at your phone while I'm recording right now? 
Got ah, what'd you say? Oh, great. <laughs> this is already going to be so good, you guys. Huh? Um, hey, Ralph. Hey, how you doing? Ralph Arden. Ralph, Ralph Arden. Ralph <laughs> Darden. Garden with a D. Really? Yeah. It's like garden with a D. Oh, because your That's Instagram about. doesn't smell no, yes like... Does. does it? Yeah. Ralph well, Darden. Wow, I'm really killing this interview already. You're really killing it already. I did a lot of research. Um, yeah. You don't need to research me much. All you have to do is be interesting to me, and then I will give you all the things <laughs> you need. Uh, so I'm here with Ralph Garden? Darden. Darden. Garden with a D. Oh, Garden with a D. Yeah. Okay. You said Arden. Yep. I definitely left out that D. You left out the D. So the D is silent. <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> um, so we're here in Philadelphia. And it's 215 all day. We're, oh, it's 267 for all you young I feel like you're so much quieter than me. You made me Maybe turn I you, you down. I did. I did. Because I know I can, I can be a little... There we go. Okay, that's good. Can we do that? That yeah, works for me. Okay, great. I'm comfortable that you're way. The, listen, you're the captain of this ship. I know. This is my you're ship. The, you're the Kirk of this enterprise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you're the engineer that knows more about the ship than I'm me. I'm a Scotty. I'm okay. a Scotty. All right. You know, I like I'll that. I'll take it. I'll take um, it. You guys, so I'm here with Alf Darden. Alf. <laughs> I'm not going to get your name right the entire time. That's classy. This, uh, Ralph. <laughs> Welcome to the Perceived Value podcast. You are listening to Perceived Value with your host, Sarah Rachel Brown. And her, today, her guest is none other than yours truly, Ralph Darden, a.k.a. DJ Major Taylor. Uh, oh, that's yeah. your DJ name. Yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> How many days have we been... See, look, now I'm peeking out again. Um, a little let me again. see. Okay, you guys, this is... <laughs> You did? No, you didn't. I didn't. No, you came close. I'm, okay. Mm, okay. You did peak a little, a little on hot. That second one. Sounds All like right. it's a little hot. All just, right. I'm just gonna turn to, you down just a touch. Trim it just a tad. Good lord. It's anyway. way easier interviewing people that have no idea about recording equipment. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah. So we're we're now best friends. We are. Uh. Fast best friends. Yeah. But you know, yeah. when you yeah. know what's right, it's just right. It's true. Um, a few months ago, I was in Chicago, as mm-hmm. the listeners know, for mm-hmm. the did you conference. Did, did you did a couple interviews there, and I listened to a couple of them. Oh, you did? Yeah. You listened to some? Oh, I that's you, nice. I found out was, uh, you know, listen. <laughs> You're like, who's this random person asking me for an interview? <laughs> um, but what I didn't talk about pretty much in any of those episodes is the mm-hmm. fact that the last night I was there, uh, Adrian Dalton, hey, Adrian, um, was like, hey, my friend Ralph is in town and he's DJing and blah, 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 and he can get us into this club. And I was like, you know what, guys? I'm a little tired, not really feeling it. <laughs> then my friend Leslie pulled that card of like, hey, you never see me. Maybe you should just power through and shut up. And so I go, and then the next thing I know, I'm in an alleyway. <laughs> the slippery slope. Some shady alleyway in Chicago. <laughs> and some dude opens the back door and he's like, all right, come on. And sneaks us into the club, which yeah. was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then I felt very out of place. Um, Shout out to the slippery slope. It's my spot. <laughs> oh I my love God. it. I love it so much. It was so crazy in there. It was completely packed and people just getting down. Yeah. And um, thank God you got let us into it's the DJ office. booth because I was, I don't know what to do with myself there. <laughs> um, but it was pretty fun. So thanks for the experience, Ralph. Um, I'm glad I could provide it. I'm glad I could, could uh, facilitate a... Memorable, oh, memorable, <laughs> memorable experience. Because I didn't really get to go out or like kind of party or have 
I, I worked a lot. Yeah. So that was like my one night to let loose. And then you took us to a diner, which I loved. Because in Iowa, where I'm from, that's pretty much all you can do. Mm-hmm. Is go to 24-hour diners yeah. and hang out. You guys, um, got, you guys got Perkins? Oh my Iowa. gosh, yes. <laughs> I went to Perkins yeah. so yeah. much when I was a teenager. There's Danny's too. Danny's is the... Yeah, but like, like Perkins is what you go to. Yeah. Perkins, um, the, Perkins was the was the goat was the was the joint. It's the place you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get the appetizer sampler, of course. Uh, but yeah, so that was a really good night. Yeah. And then I got home at like what four or something in the mm-hmm. morning. Woke up at eight to pack and get my butt on a flight. If you're gonna hang out with Ralph, it's gonna be an adventure. Oh my goodness! Oh goodness! Um, so I wanted you on the podcast because you're my first DJ on the podcast, Ralph. I know. I, I was going through it. I was like, wow. I guess this is, I feel very special. Yeah, I've had musicians. I'm, I'm unprecedented. Yeah. I've I'm had, also a musician. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're a You're like a triple threat. Musician, yeah. producer, DJ. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, I mean, I guess that's pretty much it. I mean, I, okay. I write, I'm a songwriter. Songwriter, uh, yeah. Composer for film and TV and commercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's that's in, from a professional, artistic, professional perspective. I am a musician, a DJ, songwriter, and a producer. Okay, you know, and a composer. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess all those. I just wear all those hats. I'm basically a guy who makes music and <laughs> and makes money any way he can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of jewelers I know are like that too. Mm-hmm. You teach, you do production, all yep. things. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you guys. So. Oh, man. When I was in high school, my best friend Brittany would make us mix CDs, and I drove. She didn't have a car. So she'd just show up, and I loved it when she had a new one because she was the researcher of the friendship. Mm -hmm. She was on Pitchfork. She was reading all the zines. She was figuring out the new hot bands. And she's the one that introduced me to Ted Leo. Mm -hmm. And, God, what's the name of that record that has, like, uh, Hearts of Oak? looks like anime kind of cover it's like red oh, blue shake the sheets. yeah that mm-hmm. came out in 2004 mm-hmm. my senior year of high school yeah what's up yeah um jesus christ 2004 <laughs> i see 2004 by then i was uh, ralph's old you guys retiring um but i never saw ted leo play uh-huh. and then i remember coming to philly and someone's like oh yeah ted leo lives in philadelphia and i was like what he doesn't live in philly he doesn't live in philly no chris lives in philly a bunch of members are like Chris lives in Philly, and I'm from Philly. Oh, so okay. Of his, fan, of his band, and he's and he lives in New Jersey. Oh, so okay. that's how we met. He and I would we, we would interact in punk bands and stuff, and touring and playing together. Oh, gotcha. Through various um, you know venues and punk bands and stuff, so we'd always you know yeah. intersect. It was almost inevitable the yeah. East Coast connection. But but he's not from Philly. He doesn't live in Philly. Oh, okay. He, he's from New Jersey. But he plays here a lot. Plays here a lot. That's probably why. You know, used to, used to play here all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's funny is that, you know, I never got to see him when I was like really into listening to his music. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other night you're like, hey, I'm in town and I'm playing a show and I'll put you on the list. And I was like, cool, I'll come out. <laughs> and so I, so I show up at the venue and I'm like running late and I'm like, I got to get in there. And the guy's like, what's your name? I was like, oh, Sarah Brown. Like, I'm on a list. And he's like, for what band? And I was like, the one Ralph is in, and like completely disconnected that you played with Ted Leo. Somehow. I'm a new addition to the pharmacist. So. I'm a new addition to the band, so it's, it's, it makes sense. But I'm dude, not on any of the records. But you know? yeah, but it, can you imagine like how happy I was when I got yeah. in there and I was like, "This looks sold out." Like it was packed in there, yeah. and then I was like, "Holy shit, I'm about yeah. to said, see Ted Leo." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eighteen year old me would have been yeah. freaking out. It yeah. was really cool. 
Yeah. Um, thanks for that experience. I'm, I'm glad. Once again, I'm glad I could. I am. I'm a <laughs> conduit of for good experiences. Yeah, man. You're like you're just like the, my new BFF, bringing that's, all the fun. That's how I do it. That's how I do um, it. So, how long have you been playing with them? Hmm. I think three years now. Three years. Maybe two. No, maybe two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys tour often? Hmm. We did. We did two like long tours like big big long tours when i first joined the band yeah and then since then we've done a bunch of like short jaunts so it'll be like every six months or so we'll do like you know four dates in some area you know yeah and so we 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 travel enough we play enough and we tour tour a fair amount but um but it's not like a rigorous touring schedule you know yeah you know i travel between between the pharmacists and between I, i i run a little company called november electric Mm-hmm. Um, and I DJ and hire other DJs for like high-end one-off events. Yeah, uh, I do a lot of weddings, a lot of corporate events. Um, and I will travel around. <clears throat> excuse me, I'll travel around and um, do a lot of that as well. So, yeah, you know, usually in the summertime is when it gets craziest. So summertime it'll be like, all right, I've got like four shows with the pharmacist here. Then I'm going to fly to another place and I'm going to go DJ someone's wedding in <laughs> San Diego. And then I'm going to go, you know, come back home and chill in Chicago for a couple of weeks and DJ at my standard residencies. And then um, residency, that's, well, you know what it is. You're an artist. You know how it works. Yeah. DJ at my residencies. And then I'll go back and hit the road again and go do something else, you know, or to yeah. go do the pharmacist or whatever. So that's kind of, or, or, go DJ somewhere. So that's pretty much how most of my time is spent. But that's when I'm in the, and there's times when I'm not doing anything and sometimes there's longer periods. That's when I'm usually just home, like writing music for stuff, uh, for myself just yeah. to write. Um, and, <clears throat> or I'm, um, or when I can, I'll get a, if I get like a score project, that's when I'll usually work on that. Okay. So, well, shoot i have so many questions i want to ask you this is so fun Ah, okay before i forget this question though i've always been curious because i do know a lot of musicians and with somebody like ted leo and the pharmacist Mm -hmm. it that's a that's heightened that's more professional in that sense so when you fly in for shows and things like that like your plane tickets are paid for i'm assuming yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's Mm -hmm. not out of pocket anymore no, no, no. I, yeah. get, I mean, I'll, I'll pay, I pay for the front and then we'll get reimbursed. Then you get the reimbursed. Yeah. Yeah. And is that reimbursed through the label that he's on? Or is that something no. where you guys get paid out of shows and he'll just pay you back yeah. for coming it, out? Yeah, it's more like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then with the level, uh, like with touring like that, do you guys have a booking manager or is it all Ted? Yeah, it was a booking that? agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, booking agent. Mm-hmm. And then you guys don't even, you just My get a paycheck flower, yeah. each night? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not each night, but it's like usually at, at the end of the trip. At the end of the trip. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And is it on the level of like you're in hotels every night, or are you still? Yeah, alive? sometimes we'll we'll get like Airbnb. Like we're not like we the book out the fucking Bellagio and stay in the top. No, floor. no but, but you're not like, like crashing on people's like couches. Uh, we're not. We usually aren't, but we are. But it's more likely like we'll get an Airbnb and all of us will stay in the Airbnb and maybe somebody will sleep on a couch. You know, we'll yeah. stay in the house for the night, or we'll get in a um. Or some cases we'll just get like this last trip. We just got hotels. We got three hotel rooms and yeah, split it up and two of us to each room and yeah, you know it was cool. That's chill. Um, there was a um, the last hotel was exciting because I think I told you the story already. What I, yeah. I got up in the middle of the night to go get a snack. Uh, I went did down to not the get the story yet. I got up in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I got up in the middle of the night to go get a snack. Um, I was like, Chris, I'm gonna go get a snack in the lobby. I go down to the lobby. I walk 
walk down the lobby. And as I'm coming to the lobby, I see this like group of people standing in the concierge concierge desk, mm-hmm. and I have to make my way through them to get to where the snack machines are. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You know, I walk through. It's, it's a group. Of, it's like a black family. It's mm-hmm. like a black family. I walk through and I look over. And I'm like, oh, yeah, one of these people is definitely DMX. What? It's definitely DMX. <laughs> what city is this? Uh, this is New York. This is a New oh, York. Oh yeah. I was like, oh, there goes DMX. Uh, and you know, doing the stuff that I do, you 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 interact with a fair like you have your fair share of um, interactions with famous people. Yeah. You know, and when you interact with famous people, most of the time, most of the time, you just you don't care. It's not really like you know, you know. Um, not to like, you, you just don't. You have care. to be cool. Yeah, yeah you just gotta also, be cool. Like, you just yeah. don't care. But but there are some people every once in a while that that you're like, <laughs> oh shit, oh man, oh my god, oh I just cursed on your podcast. Oh, you're fine. It's a podcast. You can okay. do that. Okay, okay, okay. But I was just like, um, you're like, oh man, that's DMX, you know. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I, I don't know. And I walk through and I'm browsing through the snacks and I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah. Just chilling here. No DMX standing behind me, five feet away from me, at all. Just, uh, just a guy looking at chips. You oh know, it's gosh. cool. And so I get my stuff. I go to the desk to pay for it. Yeah. And uh, I go to the front desk to pay for it. And they're done doing their thing. Yeah. And they go get on the elevator. So it's him and his family on the elevator. And they get on the elevator, and there's a little bit of space on the elevator. But I, I hang back because I'm like, I'm not trying to like. Impo- yeah, yeah, impose and be all up and you know let him let him have their peace, let him have his peace and be on the elevator with his family. Yeah, but the door's still open and he looks at me and is like, "Come on, <laughs> my God!" He's like, "What? Come on, nice DMX boy." You know, and I'm like, "All right, all right." I was like, "I'm like, uh, I'm like." Uh, he's like, "Right here, dog. Right here." You know, I get on the elevator. And I'm standing there, and it's just the crosstalk of DMX and his family, and I'm standing in the ver- in the front, kind of grinning, staring at the wall, and, and there, um, and the door opens. I get to my floor, and yeah. I go, "You guys have a good night." And he and he goes, "You have a good night too." And he goes, "I love that hat." <laughs> and I go, "I love your records." And then <laughs> and then the fucking door shuts, and that was it. That was like my oh, my man. DMX moment. What was he wearing? Uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't have a shirt on. <laughs> oh my god, he's DMX. I feel like he had a chain, like not a not a gold chain, just a chain link chain. Oh, like no, god. he had a. Uh, I think he had on, uh, cl- like classic DMX shit. Like he yeah, had on like a. T- uh, I was hoping that top, he would just have a like white tank top and jeans and Tim's and yeah and a chain and that was it. You know, I would. I was hoping there'd be something like really random, like the most like house slippers or something like that. Just like you know, They're like amazing. DMX. He had on a fur coat <laughs> and some flip flops. Yeah. And, and uh, oh, and man. he had a kazoo. You know, and he had a kazoo in his pocket. It was the weirdest thing. It was crazy. Uh, so Ralph, we're in Philadelphia. I've lived here. Ooh, I'm coming up on three years. Um, look at you. You're almost a veteran. Yeah, that's a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, but you are from here. Yeah, born and raised. Okay, so born and raised, what area of Philly? I was born in South Philly. Which is where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. I was born in South Philly. Moved to, um, my family moved to New Jersey for a brief stint, for like a year. Oh, no. Then we, I know, gross. You almost had to grow up in Jersey. Wash it off of me. And then, 
Then we moved back and lived in like uh, um, Mount Airy, and then my parents split up. Yeah. And then my and then we ended up in South Philly. Uh huh. And my dad was still up in Mount Airy, and that's a whole big to to do. But uh, yeah, basically, I grew up in I spent most of my formative years, I'd say, in Mount Airy, Germantown area. Yeah. And north and north split between there and North Philly. Which is so, what I, I like that because I can, I, you know, yeah. I told you this, but I mm-hmm. ended up moving there when I first moved here, mm-hmm. which is not a fun place to move when you're in yeah. your early 30s. Yeah. 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 It's pretty, pretty, pretty like settled down. Kind it's of where place. you go when you have a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my bandmate, my old bandmate, Dan, I was always like, Dan, you're going to be a Mount, one day, you're going to be a Mount Airy dad. <laughs> is he a Mount Airy dad it's right totally now? Totally a Mount Airy dad. <laughs> I was like, you're going to be a Mount Airy dad, and you're going to drive a Volvo, and you're going to have two kids and be a carpenter. And that's exactly what he does. Oh, my gosh. So he drives a Honda CRV. I was going to say, did you even get it down to the car? God, I think he ha- Did he have it? I, I feel like he might have had a Volvo for a minute. Okay. You were close. So I, was, I was close, but, 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 but yeah. So I love, as I've hung out with you, you drive around the city and you point out buildings. You're like, I lived there. Mm-hmm. This used to be that thing. Mm-hmm. I did this here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but as we were driving here, you're like, that's my old, did you say middle school or high school? The one yeah. that has like the cage on the roof. That's my high school. That was your high school. And who did you go to high school with? Oh, the Roots and Boys the Man. That is wild to me. Yeah, but it wasn't like, they were older than me. It wasn't like I hung out with them all the time or anything. Like, yeah, they but just, like, they were like, I went, no one cool went to my high school like that. Yeah, like, it's you just grew like, up in Omaha. No, I did not grow up in Omaha. You grew, I mean, I'm sorry, you grew up in? Iowa. Iowa. Sioux City, to be exact, Ralph. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, cool. But just, like, what are the odds that, like, two really well-known bands ended up coming from your high school? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it's the, the the Roots and Boys the Men. They, were, they went to my high school. So, this your is talent my... shows must have been crazy. <laughs> this is my this is my uh, my resume claim to fame. Yeah, they're like Ralph Darden, DJ Major Taylor. He went to high school with Boys to Men and the Roots, <laughs> and he was on. It wasn't even there with them for that long. Uh, and and also he once stood on an elevator with DMX. Well, these are all the reasons why I actually invited Boom, you on the podcast. Here I am. My proximity <laughs> to fame and celebrity and talent. Is 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 uh, is unprecedented. Oh it's it's uh, undeniable. Ralph Darden stands around awesome people. So you graduate high school and barely boys to men sing at your prom. They sing at my prom. All actually, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and did you go to college? I went to create. I went to um, University Arts for a semester, and then I dropped out. University of the Arts. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I decided that I wanted to go to, I wanted to be a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. And then I changed my mind. But I went to, to a community college for a minute to, like, I was like, I'm going to study education and go oh. stay, uh, go study community college. But I just went for one semester and dropped out. <laughs> yeah. Like, college is not good. I'm not good well, at it. Well, at least you didn't, like, go for a long time and get a whole bunch of debt and yeah. then drop out. It was What was crazy was, like, you know, I was, like, young punk kid. You know, like, I I was a senior. Just, like, I am a city kid to the core. Also, let's give people a timeline here. How old were you when you graduated? Not, well. Oh, wait. Uh, what year was it when you graduated? That's what I when meant. When I graduated high school? Yeah. I was 45, so it was 19. <laughs> 42 I think it was uh-huh 42 at the time no I graduated in 92 oh, okay uh, I graduated in 92 and I was I was a senior in high school like I'm a city kid like yeah. I'm a senior I was a senior in high school with my own apartment oh that's wild because I, I got a job working at a chicken place 
Mm-hmm. It was called Fingers, Wings, and Other Things. <laughs> I was, you don't want to know what the other things were. Don't want to know. Don't want to know. And I was, um, and I, I just wanted to play music. Like, yeah. I was in punk bands and stuff, and I just wanted to be able to, like, play music and hang out with my friends. Yeah. And ride skateboards and go to shows and stuff. And downtown is where it was at. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, it was still a little, a little dangerous. It was a little cheap. It was a yeah. little like you know, um, and, and and I really like um, like I'm a city kid. Like I loved yeah. I loved being being down here and in the like in the in the center of the stuff. And so yeah, when I got a job, I was like, I'm gonna get a job at this chicken place, and then I'm gonna get an apartment, and then I'm gonna like move and then I can have band practice all the time. <laughs> and that was literally my logic. And your mom was just like, okay. She wasn't stoked on it. But then after a while, she realized how much like, you know, like I think she would have some space and I could, and I could be like, you know, I don't. Doing your own thing. Yeah, and doing my own thing. And she, I think my mom may, maybe by then realized that I was like, <clears throat> I was generally, I, I think I was generally a pretty good kid. Yeah. You know? Like well, if you I, can handle a job and keep going to high school and have Well, your that apartment. was the thing. I almost didn't gr- graduate. Oh, uh, there it is. Because my first period class, my first period class, I didn't go to, I didn't go to algebra ever. I was <laughs> yeah. like, fuck this. Yeah. This shit is trash. And then right now, like, <laughs> I almost didn't, gra- I almost didn't graduate. I definitely did. I didn't walk and I had to go to summer school. Oh, okay. But I did, but I made it through. I still well, graduated. You graduated. You know? my, yeah. Oh, my, another great proximity to fame thing. Seth Green. Yeah. Uh, his dad was my algebra teacher. What? Yeah, he was the worst. Is Seth Green from Philly? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're he just is, like filling me in on, my, on all the cool things. This is my junior things. year of high school. Okay. Yeah, all was, right, all was, right. He was not a good teacher. Mr. Green, know. not so good? Mr. Green was a terrible teacher. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Seth Green's listening. He's going to be he pissed. He insisted that you, did, that you call him Dr. Green. He was the worst. Oh. He was the worst. Um. So when you went to college those first few times, did you was your college education going to be your responsibility? Yeah, when I, when I first well, oh okay, so the reason I brought this up yes was because I um <laughs> I took out I think I had a loan okay I had like a little a grant and got a loan to go to college for the first time at University of Arts yeah and <laughs> when you're like a young punk kid yeah. Especially, you, and you're like a city kid, and I'm a black kid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this stuff, nobody's teaching you finance and oh, teaching yeah. you about all this stuff and how this works. You're just figuring it out yourself. Yeah. But somebody came at me, they, a, a collection agency came at me a couple of years later and was like, you owe us money for this school loan. And it was like, it was like fucking tw- like $1,200 or like $700, like $900. And I was like, back then, I was like, what? Yeah. What? You better kill me now because I will never, ever in life be able to pay this off. $1,200. Are you fucking insane? You know? And I, and I was like, well, I guess I don't, I guess I could just, they just kind of take what I give them. I'll give them like $10 a month for the rest of my life. You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and eventually, like, and eventually I paid it off, you know? Yeah. But from that point, I was like, yeah, college can eat a dick. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing this. Are you out of your fucking mind? Loans and stuff? No, I'm already out here living in the real world doing this stuff. Yeah. Like, 
Nah, mm-hmm. I never. I didn't. I never. I never. Um, I, I just didn't fall for the 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 value of it. I didn't see the value, the like the intrinsic value in college. Yeah, you know, the reason I went back was when when I decided that I wanted to be a college, a high school teacher. Yeah, because you could see like a I, real career. Because there was a real that. career, and not only was there a real career, but it was also like a, one that I couldn't get without going to college. To some, oh, degree, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I can't just show up and be like, "All right, I'm a college teacher. I'm a high school teacher now. I'm going to yeah. be your art teacher, Mister Mr. Ralph." You know, like like. Um, but that that was short lived because after a while, I was like, I don't need to. I don't want to plug into any of these systems. I don't like the education system as it is. Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? Like, I could teach. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that didn't last long. So. What did you do then? Like, how did you? You dropped out. You're working at a chicken place. You're mm-hmm. playing in pumpkin bands. Mm-hmm. Didn't you tell me you were a um, bike messenger? Oh yeah. For a hot minute. Oh, oh God, yeah. I used to have so many crushes on bike messengers. Oh, yeah. Seattle. Oh, yeah. Ayo. Oh, yeah. Um. So how long did you bike messenger for? Seven years. Six years. Dang. Six, seven years. And that is a very hardcore profession. Loved it. You know what? Okay, well, it does draw a certain personality type, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my exes was a bike messenger, so I kind of get that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the pay like? Because the risk can be very high. You pay per per job. Oh, is that why you're like Hustling. flying like a bat mm-hmm. out of hell? Okay. Mm-hmm. You pay mm-hmm. per job. I get that. The farther it is, the heavier it is, The um, then that was how you got paid. You got paid like it was, oh. you know, it was contingent on the thing. Whether it was a rush delivery you know if it was a super yeah. rush if it was a um uh if it was just like a standard delivery kind of thing but like sometimes yeah. people had to have deadlines usually if you're hiring a bank messenger it's something that's time sensitive and it has to get there physically in person from one one point to another you know what yeah. i mean and it has to do it quickly as quickly as possible faster than a car in some cases in a congested city especially yeah. a place with streets as small as philadelphia mm-hmm. you know um uh so it was, you know, it was thrilling. It was thrilling. It was a lot of fun. It was a very romantic job. How do you get the end to start doing that? Because I feel like, well, do you work for like an agency? You or? work for a company. There's you work a company for a company. Does, yeah, and you're a yeah. contractor. You get hired as a contractor by the company. Okay. Yeah. So you're not getting benefits or anything like that. But you. And if you don't want to work one day, you just don't? Yeah, but, it, but it's frowned upon. You yeah. Know? It's frowned upon. And there was like a hierarchy of companies, too. I yeah. worked for um, I worked for a company called first. I worked for a company called Ridgeway, which was a a, a um, architectural drafting company, okay. and I would just drop off architects' documents all the time. Yeah. Um, then I worked for a company called um, American Express. Uh, <laughs> not American Express. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was American, like, American, oh yeah, never heard of it. <laughs> uh, uh, called. Um, uh, oh my god. You're getting old. It's okay. I really am. Oh my god! Because it was such an important part of my life. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Holy shit! That's fine. Uh, Philly Express. It's called oh, Philly Express. Okay. And 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 the um the people that I met there it was like it was such a like it was I was there for I was at I was at Philly Express for a long time. Yeah, they were a um, good company. They were a great company, and and it, but there was this hierarchy. It was like I was climbing up the ladder, and then finally everybody would always end up. It was like the last tier. Before you went to work at Time Cycle, Time Cycle was like the company where all the like pro cyclists, like the people that were like not just messengers, but people that were avid cyclists and would race on the weekends, and they would do. And we had nice bikes, and we were all very, very vehement about cycle culture, and yeah. and it was you know, 
Um, and I ended up working for them eventually. Oh, uh, you made it to that top tier. I did. I made it to the top. I made it and, to the top tier. And that's because they got more jobs and you're paid more? No, it was more like like you kind of get... reputation? You kinda, yeah, it was just reputation kind of thing. Mm, and, okay. and Yeah. And, and, and um, I think at the time, there were, there was, there's this kind of like... <laughs> there's a kind of uh, of like, you know... Just like anything that is, just like anything that's dominated by dudes, yeah, you know, there's a certain degree of like you're hardcore, you're like oh the, you know God, this yeah. this the, you know, and I think that when I, when some one of the guys from Time Cycle that ran it saw me riding around on this like piece of shit girl's bike. That was like back when they made bikes that were like gendered. It was like a girl. It was like this like oh yeah like. Uh, like a huffy, like a pink huffy. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad, but it was. A, it was, but it worked. It was a bike that functioned and worked. Yeah. And it had. Um. But I didn't have a seat on it because I had a rack. I was like, it's just taking up space. And it had a rack, and I think the seat got stolen or something. I don't remember what why I didn't have a seat on it. But I was just like, I'm hardcore. I'm going to deliver this bike with no seat. I'm not going to sit down all day. I'm just going to hustle. And they were like, damn, he's like hardcore. This guy's like. You know, it's just a stupid, like you know, it's kind of oh, when man. I think about it, it's just dumb accolade. But 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 like, um, but I was a, I was, but I took cycling very very seriously, and I yeah. got real, I, I got real into it. As a, it was a, it's actually an interesting constant in my life. When I was a kid, I was really into BMX, oh, okay, particularly yeah. like freestyle BMX, and I loved all the like doing tricks and all that crazy shit. Then yeah. um, and then as I got older, I was like, I I worked at a place, a taco place. Got a job at Taco Place, at, mm-hmm. uh, and I was the delivery guy, so I rode around on of a bicycle course, all the yeah. time. And I was like, "Wow, this is fun! I like being out here doing it." You know. And then somebody was like, "You can get a job at Ridgeway delivering the document," and that was the kind of logical progression. And that's how it went. So yeah, I was a bike messenger for seven years. Um, I loved it. I was in a bunch of accidents. Um, I got as a result of it. I ended up getting into like cycling, and I raced. I had like a very brief very brief period of of um of racing track out at the lehigh valley velodrome and um uh i was terrible at it i was gonna say short-lived because because yeah, i was terrible at it. i didn't know okay. i didn't know what i was doing i was terrible at it. i only did like two races you know i did like yeah you know, but but um but i was really in like i loved it you know yeah and um and I uh, and throughout this whole time you're playing music. All this whole time I was playing music. Yeah, um, I was in a punk band. Uh, I was in a band called Franklin for years, and our our first album was called Go Kid Go, and that was inspired by the idea of being a bike messenger. I was Go Kid Go, and uh, then yeah. and we had a song on it called Two Billion AM that I was like, this package has got. I got to get up at Two Billion AM and get this package to somebody. You know, it was inspired uh, by this yeah. by the, by the 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 bike messenger element of my life. So I have this tendency to. I have a lot of varied interests, yeah. But they all feed off of each other, yeah. You know, and that I try to this kind of a thing, you know. Um, so yeah, that was it. How many? Is, what instruments do you play? I didn't even ask you that. Like, well, you saw me with the pharmacist. <laughs> yeah, I saw that instrument. I was singing and playing guitar. Yes, I know. I sing and play guitar. I play drums. I play mm-hmm. keyboards. I I make beats. Yeah. I produce stuff. I play keys. Not amazing at it, but I could. But I can write. I write. I use it as a writing tool for pretty briefly, especially mm-hmm. if I'm scoring something. Yeah. Um, uh, ba- uh, bass, guitar, keys, drums. Um, I sing. I make beats, and I'm a turntablist. Okay. 
and uh, and I'll play. Basically, I'm I'll play whatever instrument needs to be played to get the idea out of my head and realized. You know? When did you start playing music? Like, did you? I started. I, I'd say I started seriously playing music when I was like, or like pursuing it as a thing when I was yeah. about sixteen. My okay. mom got me a bass for Christmas. See, that's the one thing. Ah, oh, man, I wish my parents would have pushed for that. Mm-hmm. I remember in fourth grade asking, I was like, Grandpa, because mm-hmm. my grandparents were raising me. I was like, Grandpa, I want to play violin, and he's like, No. Just violin's expensive. <laughs> That's exactly. Expensive. He was just like, he's like, no. no, you played a, you played a tambourine. No, he was just not having anything. And I was like, okay. So then I go back to school the next day, and I'm very forthcoming. I mm-hmm. say what I mean. Um, and I was like, I can't play because my grandpa says it's too expensive. And they're like, oh, well, the city has a program that you can sign up for a violin. So I come home with a violin the next day. Oh no! And my grandfather was. I can tell he was livid, yeah. but I think he also was kind of impressed right. by the fact that I very much so wanted to play it. Yeah. Um, but I never had somebody, you know, I see these kids and their parents being like, oh, well, I got to go take him to his piano class and then his guitar class and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I just really wish that would have been me because <laughs> I never, I never, I didn't take to it very well. I didn't, I didn't take to it either. Yeah. Well, I was initially I was my par- my father was a jazz musician. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And his father was a jazz musician. So and he the- played piano and he wanted me to play piano and they thought that I would be a jazz musician. They were going to name me Miles after Miles <laughs> Davis. <laughs> oh my god. But my my middle but the, I ended up being named my middle name was Nile instead uh, and like Really? Like that was the oh, okay. Like, and they they also saw some play called The Nile, which I've Ralph seen. Yeah, yeah, Nile Darden. Darden. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. But they, um, um, but they, 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 were, yeah. My dad would try to get me to play piano, and I was like, I'm, f-, I was like, dude, I'm five. Like, I don't give a shit about jazz. Like, I was like, there's dudes in suits and pianos. Like, I'm, f- I'm growing up in the late '70s and early '80s. There's breakdancing, the birth of hip hop. There's new wave punk rock just died. Like, there's like all kinds of exciting MTV's being born. Like, yeah. Why would I? Why would an eight year old want to play piano? Why? You okay. know what I mean? Good like, point. Good so point. at the time, it was just like this thing. And on top of that, it's this thing that I went to school. They signed me for piano lessons in school, and I hated it. Mm. You know. And then I stopped. So I'll, eventually, it just kind of fell off. Yeah. But then I got I I met all these like punk kids. Yeah. And these kids were making interesting music and there was a scene and there was a vibe and there was like all this interesting stuff going on. And I met this one kid, Jamie. Um he's he actually lives here. Jamie Jamie Mann, who was um at the time he was a bass player. We yeah. went to high school together. This was before I went to Kappa, I went to Cardinal Doherty. Um, which is Catholic school. Okay. Um, and um and so, if you're a Catholic, if you're going to Catholic school, mm-hmm. especially in the '80s or late '90s, um, when you're in Catholic school, if you're a weirdo, you really fucking stick out. Like, you really <laughs> stick out because everybody's wearing uniforms, you know. Like, yeah. Um, and Jamie was like a senior, and he was, or he's a junior at the time when I met him, and he was a fucking weirdo. And his whole table, his whole clan, looked like something out of the movie Escape from New York, as far as I was concerned. Like they, these dudes look like the real deal, you know. Yeah. And I round up running into him somewhere and being like we we were late for school i'm um, no no i'm sorry it was a snow day okay and we came in we were both stuck in the vestibule waiting for school to open to determine whether it was going to be open or not and i wound up having a conversation with him and we became friends 
And I, I went to his house one day, and he had a bass, and he was playing, and he was playing all this crazy stuff. And I was like, I want to do that. That looks cool. I want to do that. And that was how I started playing music. Okay. And then as I started playing music, I wound up being in bands and touring and all sorts of shit. And then I realized, like, wow, being a DJ is this fun kind of accoutrement to, like, this... this you know, you play a show, and then it'd be really neat to if anybody liked what my band did, then maybe they'd be interested in the things that were influencing me. You okay. Know? And so I just started to do that, and then I met these kids that were turntablists, and I started to be like, I want to do that, you know, and uh, cutting and scratching and all the, you know, all the stuff, and I took to it because I'm a musician, I'm yeah, an autodidactic musician, and and so. I taught myself how to do it. Well, they met with the with the under the tutelage of of some other cats. Yeah. Um, and that was like kind of the trajectory of everything. And That's then it kind just of kind of progressed. Yeah, it just kind of progressed. And, so, when did you start looking at DJing as something that you could actually make a living off of? When I did my first, well, I had because I was in a band that was very active. Oh yeah. I already had, and because I was part of a scene, yeah, I was already kind of had a bit of a built-in audience to some extent. It wasn't yeah. like I wasn't drawing no massive crowds or anything, but but like the you know, base crowd you'd bring, but like that'd yeah, make you look good. I could bring like you know ten, fifteen people out on a Sunday to to come to this bar, you know, yeah. And, and this, and when I decided that I wanted to DJ, I don't even remember how it happened. Oh, I, I had got a brief brief stint. I got a job. As a bartender, which is funny because I don't drink. Yeah. I've never been drunk a day in my life. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm just gonna say. Yeah. Wow. But, but I was at this bar. I was bartending at this place, and I was like, "Can I DJ here? I want to DJ. I want to do a DJ night here." And they were like, "Yeah, do it." And <laughs> I started to do this thing, and people would come out. And when they came out, and then I would get paid money, and I would get like, you know, they'd be like, "Here's fifty bucks." Yeah. You know, here's a you know hundred dollars. Like crazy i was like whoa this is nuts if i did and i started doing the math i'm like if i do this like five days a week that's like five hundred dollars like whoa man i can actually make a living doing this you know what i mean like like this this would be at the time when you could make a living off of five hundred dollars a week yeah you know? i was gonna say yeah. but um uh it started to uh it kind of snowballed from there okay you know like like uh, and the better i got and the more i understood the art of it and the more I um you know the more I got the more I learned the more it was like oh I could create a revenue stream from this and then I never expected to be where I'm at now I yeah. never expected to be like like I have a career you know what I yeah mean? like I have an actual career like I, I which is crazy like you know so before we get to that did you ever play in a band before the DJing really took off that was signed that you thought that maybe you were going to make a living that way? No. No? <laughs> I, I, it was always an aspiration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. They're fighting. There's some they loud fighting? people outside. No, it's two little children. Well, they are fighting. Look at them go. The little one's killing it. Just for your listening pl- uh, listeners, no. <laughs> children out here ruining this podcast. You know why? Because children ruin everything. <laughs> um... So, okay, so question, yeah. Ralph. Answers. You're DJing. Uh-huh. I also, you know, I think it's really interesting, too, that you don't drink. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like a lot of people in that industry. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of people do drink. Well, yeah. <laughs> Period. First of all, a lot of people do drink. <laughs> 
period. Right. But especially in that line of work, has that been your kind of, I mean, I I don't know a lot of DJs, so I can't really speak to that. Mm -hmm. But I would assume a lot of people, you know, it's like when I bartended. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just kind of the lifestyle with it. Yeah. Where you get off and you end up having some drinks with your friends. The next thing you know, it's like 5 a.m. You're rolling home. You're passing out. You Mm -hmm. wake up right before you go back to work and do it over again. Yes. Um, How has that been for you? Do you like it obviously seems like an advantage that you don't drink. It's fine. It's because I have a different motivation than everybody else does. my, My motivation is that I love music. Yeah. And it's always been my motivation. As a matter of fact, as I've gotten older and the more I've refined my um like what I'm all about and what I'm interested in and what I want to do and what I will and won't tolerate and what I will, you know, yeah. my, my place in the world in general. Um, one of the things that I realized was like, I need to get away from these. Like, well, A, I started to ask all these questions. Hmm. Like, why is it that every time we want to enjoy music in any live communal context, yeah, it's always just an accoutrement is alcohol sales why why is it that like 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 why does it always have to be like like dominated by some all these aspects of our lives are constantly dominated by these giant corporations and in the context of our nightlife the most pervasive of which are like alcohol companies uh, and and there's this protocol this like you know there's this like ritual of like going to and going to this dark room Always between the same hours, with yeah. the same with people between the same ages, and and like I know people that are fifty that like music. I used to you know get what I mean? so pissed when I was younger, and you know when you're eighteen or nineteen, like yeah. you are obsessed with music, right? And, and you want to go to a show, and you don't want to, yeah, yeah, right, right. And, and so you can never get in, right? And so yeah. the, so the, so the thing was that I had this I I had this like. Because I grew up playing in punk bands, in these DIY punk bands, and going to playing shows in VFW halls, playing shows in people's basements, playing shows in like an entire networks across the country, yeah. I knew that there was, uh, uh, I had this kind of, I knew that it's possible yeah. to create these, uh, to create other contexts. And it's not to say that the context of being in a bar or being around people drinking is bad. It's not. No. It's just that why is that the only context? Why is this this idea of self-destruction and being crazy and being like, I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to get wasted and fuck shit up. Yeah. Like, why Mm -hmm. is that the only context? Why is it the most dominant context for people's idea of how human beings socialize? Like yeah. how we socialize, and no one ever questions it. No one ever. Do you think it. it's like, well? You know what? That's very true. I don't think I like have ever really thought and thought about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's an aspect of it too? And of course, that alcohol kind of removes your inhibitions in mm-hmm. some ways. And there's yes. a lot of people that, first of all, can't allow, aren't comfortable enough to dance in front of people, or just right. even I find when I go to shows often that I am really tense as well, and I do want a cocktail or something because I feel like everybody's so fucking judgy. Yeah. Yeah. Like you go to a metal show. My favorite thing to do is go to a metal show is wear like a bright white t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's yeah. in black and everybody yeah. kind of looks alike and they're kind of looking around at you like, yeah. do you know the songs? Do you know the <laughs> lyrics? Are you like, you, you, know, you know what that is? Are you tapping your foot to the right beat all the time? Same thing with hip hop. Same thing with any, you know what that is? What is it? Dudes. Oh God, it's so fucking many dudes. dudes. It's yeah. Men. So I need alcohol it's to dudes, deal with dudes. Dudes. That's really what comes out. Is fucking dudes. It's like dudes are always like the ones that want to like, 
Like, usually white dudes, but but dudes <laughs> in general are yeah. always the ones that want to like chop thing, dissect, make it up thing where you're like it's it's it about it's about I was just talking about this on on. Um, uh, oh yeah, Ralph is, did another podcast. I was going to say I was just talking about this with some uh-huh. friends. Yeah, some I know. Friends. But but <laughs> um, but this idea of like I love music and I, I grew up in the like because I grew up in these like fetishist movements like punk rock, reggae, hip hop, jazz. You know, like the things that always appealed to me was like yeah. uh, were based in re- rebellion, right? Yeah, and counterculture. But the problem is that it always it eventually the counterculture and rebellion eventually morphs into this thing that just becomes part of the big picture and it becomes um, co-opted. And inst- and and the only thing that's left is the like, well, were you there? You was the, is its authenticity and how much oh of this. My is that? God, and yes. it's usually men, it's, and it's you and the people that usually care most about that shit are men. Women don't give a fuck. It's not that women as a whole don't give like this. I'm making a sweeping generalization. Yeah, but. but but whenever I was DJing at a club back in the day, and it would be like I'm playing hip hop, no, it wasn't women that came up to me and were like, "When are you gonna play some real hip hop?" You know what I mean? It yeah. was always like it's always like some fucking dude, and I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about you. I don't care about your like. I'm not here to do this for you. I'm here to bring people together. It's not about being exclusive. It's yeah. not about like like being um, carving out a little microcosm to make yourself be this thing. Like I'm more interested in making the world a better place if I can with what with what limited resource and limited skill set I have and and if I can use it to bring people together then that's what's up yeah like being like I'm that's what's ex- important yeah like I'm being like I'm like this exclusive like exclusive that you know people like that ruin music for me I mean I was music mm-hmm. director of my college radio station yeah. and I hated a lot of the aspects of it because mm-hmm. the minute any and this is typically true. Dude mm-hmm. found out I was music director. Yep. They be like you don't know anything about music. me, yeah. and it wasn't just like okay, oh you like Sonic Youth. Okay, mm-hmm. well who was their first producer? Right. And if I didn't know every name of every dude mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. band, it's just that kind of stuff. And that kind of knowledge doesn't really stick with me. Yeah. Like I can love a band and I, I could know every lyric to a song, but I don't know who the lead singer's name is. Right. And I don't know what the name of the record is that I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. But you know what's really interesting? When we came in here and we were getting set up, you were in my bedroom and you were looking through my record yeah, collection. Yeah, I was. And I, am in, I immediately <laughs> tensed up. Yeah. Because I'm so used you to being judge drilled me, and judged. Mm-hmm. And I was I immediately went into like, well, my record collection got stolen, which it did. Mm-hmm. But I immediately was just like embarrassed because I was like, oh, I don't really have any of that cool record to show off anymore. Like, I don't have that limited edition psychic TV record. You can't get it. Right. You know? Right. And I hate that. Right. Right. I really hate that. Yeah. It sucks. It, su- <sighs> it sucks. So nice to hear a DJ say yeah, this. It sucks. It's, it's, it's thing is, look, well, there is a, there is a flip side to mm-hmm. it. There's what a flip it? side to that. The flip side is that I, that we live in the era of the death of expertise. True. So, you can and just there's Google no gatekeeper. It. There's no gatekeepers anymore. There's no like. So you have people that are just like, I want to be a thing, and then they go on YouTube to learn how to be a thing, and they do it. Yeah. Now that is cool in the sense that it is a thing that makes people that gives people access, right? Yeah. But sometimes, like what I seek is balance. I want balance. Yeah. Like I don't want to be in a in a world where everybody's just like exclusive in my club and my clique and my thing and my little thing is 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 the only thing that's important. Uh, in the sense of entitlement, in the sense of like 
of um you know it, it, it but but on the flip side i also as a person who spent a lot of time learning how to do things specific things and being good at it yeah um um i i welcome ever, other people to get good at it and to do it too yeah but the death of, there's something to be said for expertise and yeah. the internet has really uh kind of killed expertise so case in point uh, everybody shouldn't be a fucking surgeon you know what i mean like like, <laughs> yeah. like like i can't i don't i can't be a, i shouldn't be operating on anyone but yeah. can i could i watch enough videos and buy some medical equipment and learn how to like fix somebody if they were yeah i yeah. probably could and who knows i might even save somebody if it's necessary but like mm-hmm. Do you want to be my first fucking patient? No, you don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so the death of expertise is like, like, um, how it relates is that it's like, you know, like, sure. I don't know what the fucking, you might not know who the lead singer, who the first singer for, for who, what Jonathan Fire Eater was called before they were the Walkman or before the singer for, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. might not know what that shit is you might know all that you might not know all that stuff but one thing but but um uh but it is neat to know it it's neat to have this like weird trivial knowledge it's fun it's a thing to participate in and it's really great when one of your friends are oh god shout out to my friend adam luxatish who lives in chicago he works for numero group oh yeah Yeah. so yeah i know them dudes yeah oh man i used to ken shipley who who started numero group uh put out my band's album it was the last thing he put out on his old record label tree oh cool so adam is one of those people that i really love because he is an expert you know he is one of those experts but he's never made me feel bad he would just be like oh you don't know what this is so this is let me put you on oh my god and those people exactly exactly because how else do you learn exactly and i prefer i'm not the type of person that likes to like go down a rabbit hole on Spotify or whatever. Like I'd rather be hanging out with my friends in their cars, click, click, um, and hear an amazing song that they happen to be playing and Mm -hmm. ask what it is and then go home and listen to the record and then get obsessed with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I have friends like you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So it's it's a it's it's, a nice little tangent we went on. It's good. I don't even know I don't even know how we got here. You know, it's the value of being cool about the knowledge that you have and yeah, just being cool about I mean, what it, you it's, do. I mean, it, well, that's and the inviting other, to others. That's another thing is you get into the idea of perceived value. The idea of <laughs> like what um, what people pay me for. Oh, you. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into that. Yeah. So how? Okay. Well, you know, you have to Hold go on. a long ways. What? Can I turn a light on? Yeah, it's getting a little dark. A little dark. I'll be right back. Sarah, Sarah Brown. Now we can see each other. In the time that we started you. the interview, the sun went down, and then slowly but surely we were disappearing. Yeah, to each I can other. see you. You are gorgeous. Oh, I don't know if your you. radio listeners know this, <laughs> oh, of your, if your podcast listeners, but she is a gorgeous person. Um, fun fact about me is that I was swimming in a river yesterday. Nice. And I rinsed off a little, but I definitely have river hair. Awesome. And it looks river amazing. armpit. It so. looks amazing. Thank you. It looks amazing. You look fantastic. <laughs> and listen to that voice. You guys hear that voice? Okay, Ralph. Yeah. Now you're just embarrassing me. Shut <laughs> oh, up. I told you I was going to make you uncomfortable. Um, 
<laughs> you did. You actually were like. I told you. I prefaced it. I prefaced uh, you it. Did. I you did. I prefaced it. Uh, um, Wait, what was that monumental thing you were going to say before we turned on the lights? That you're gorgeous. And that that was it? <laughs> it, was, it was about something. He's like, no. Um, um, no, that. Uh, perceived value. Perceived value. What did I say before? Well, we went on the tangent about people who are experts making other people feel bad about music, right. which is unnecessary, and but it's really a, cool. But expertise yeah. is still, there is still room for expertise. And it should be there. And it should be and there. it's necessary. Think, and it's necessary. And, um, and then I said what people pay me for, and you said let's get into it. Yeah, I do want to get into that. And you want to get into it. And then I thought, then I had a thought, and I don't remember what it was. Okay, well Besides then. Besides turning on the light. Well, let's keep on trucking. Turn on the lights. Turn on the light lights. Light a candle. You know Baby, about you can light my light. Turn off the lights. <laughs> Turn them off! Yeah, I'm peeking, um, peeking out there. Yeah, you did. You just love clipping my recording. I do. I Guys, do. it's really weird because usually I'm, you know, recording jewelers, blacksmiths, authors. They don't know about this equipment stuff. Yeah. Everybody's really impressed that I even yeah. know how to push these buttons. Yeah. And you come in here and you're like... So how are you going to equalize my voice? <laughs> and I'm like, how are you going to EQ it? And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and I think I already do it, but I'm not really sure mm-hmm. how I do it. You're doing fine. Great, thank you're you. Then you're all like, oh, you use Pro Tools? Well, why don't you use GarageBand? I was like, because yeah. I tried to learn how to use GarageBand once and I cried. Actually, I want you to use. I'd rather you use Ableton. It's a lot more user and intuitive, I think. Kind but of, everybody, what's most important is that you use what you know. So. Well, you know, after this, I might know a lot more, and mm-hmm. that might be because of you. So I'm glad I could glad I could help. Okay. Well, so for me, I want to give insight as to, you know. I've gone to a lot of weddings. Okay. Um, I used to play a lot of weddings with my country band. Yep. And I know that was like, that was our cash cows. That's mm-hmm. how we like paid for our record and our band and whatnot. Um, but I always am really shocked when I hear how much a DJ costs, although I know how important a DJ is. Yes. It's like with a wedding, it's like food and DJ. Yes. Don't screw those two things up. Yes. That is what you need to Make have sure a good you have time. All, like, like, you know, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh. Who cares about the flowers? All flowers are going to look pretty. Not all DJs are going to be good. Right. It's yeah. True. Um, so I you, am one of the best. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I say that without. Well, I I've heard. You know, I googled you a little. Like, yeah. I get it. I mean, I, first of all, slippery slope. That night, I was just like, okay, wow. That's just okay. me at a club. But 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 like as a DJ in the context of being a club DJ, I mean, uh, uh, I'm fine as a DJ in general. Mm-hmm. But and I, and I'm I'm pretty good. You know. Yeah. I, 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 Put a lot of faith in it and what I do, but but as a wedding DJ, I'm one of the best. Okay. Yeah. So then, how did you make the jump from like we're doing DJ and gigs, blah blah blah? Like, when did you get your first wedding gig and was like, oh, this is where the money is? Well, it wasn't about the money. It's actually a little bit different. It was. Um, I love the art once again. I love music. Yeah. I love DJing. I love making me first and foremost. I love making music. I love writing music. I mm-hmm. love and I love I love performing. Uh-huh. I love performing. So, <laughs> a little sick analogy. If I was a uh, <laughs> uh, if I was a drug addict, yeah, right. Uh, performing, writing, writing a song and performing it live, yeah, is like fucking meth. It's like getting okay. fucking like you. Like, it's like the best. It's like the high, the best high ever. Right. Yeah. Um. Then I started DJing. DJing was kind of like 
the stuff they give you to try to keep you to get you clean. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's like they'll give you a little hint, like some something that'll like, give you a little buzz, like like methadone. Yeah, like methadone. You okay. know what I mean? So, so let's so, keep so, going like, with this. I you know, got you. So 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 like so 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 performing actually not, not, performing writing and performing a tune is like heroin. Okay. And then like DJing, it's like a little shot of methadone that okay. I get every week. It gives me a little taste of that, just a little bit. You <laughs> know what kidding. I mean? Like, yeah. Give me a little taste, to keep me going. But, um, but I don't. Um, but I, I. But I also love the art. I yeah. love the art of of DJing. I love, there. Um, I love turntablism. I love producing. I love like um, making a like. There's something exciting about as technology advanced, um, and with Serato. Uh, Serato's the the. the software that I used to DJ with. Okay. And allows you to play two vinyl records, but the vinyl records have nothing on them but time code and you can play any digital audio format on these two pieces of vinyl. Is that what you were doing at Slippery yes. Slope? Because I was over yes. your shoulder and out what was going on. I didn't know you, but I kept yeah. staring at your laptop and I was like, what's going to be next? What's yeah. he doing? So the whole idea oh, okay. is that, that and, and what it does is like people like myself who still love that feeling and the tactile feeling of a piece of vinyl and that you are and you still want to do all the tricks and all the you know all the juggling and the scratching and all the things yeah um it's developed to kind of um acc acclimate them to the kind of d to digital formats like you can still play stuff in a using a laptop and not have to carry crates and crates of records with you all the time yeah, anymore. yeah, so, yeah. but what was really awesome about that is that i can go home and make a thing and play it out that night. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? So I could just make a piece of music from scratch and take it out and play it in a club that night. And they That's don't even like, it doesn't skip a beat because you're playing songs they're familiar with and you throw one in that they don't know and then right. you get to see their reactions and that's amazing. Right. I can and, and it's just something very exciting about that. But yeah. Um, and, and so the, the, the art of being a DJ, I love the art of being a DJ. And early back in the day when i was with my like my crew here kind of coming up mm -hmm. um in philly um with like low low beasy and diplo and fucking you know dirty south all the holotronics uh, holo holo <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, and, uh, <laughs> oh God, and white girl all the holotronics guys and like cosmo baker these are all just kind of dj staple cats in philly mm -hmm. you know um we all had the fantasy of like it was always like the goal was to become like a, a big time D <laughs> no no none of us wanted to be Moby you know, Moby's, I mean, Moby's pretty cool actually, you know what the whole time I was like I'm gonna get that Moby joke you're gonna in. get that Moby in <laughs> the, 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 got it got it got him Moby 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 was Moby was in the, Moby was in the punk bands Oh, was he? Yeah, he was in punk bands. Moby's a big I, Yeah. I got my grandma. I turned my grandma on to Moby. Your grandma likes Moby? She'd be like, play that one song. And I was like, Wait, what song, grandma? Well, your grandma, well, you're also like 13 years old, so your grandma's probably like my age. Your grandma's <laughs> Get probably out of here. <laughs> she did like that song by Moby Porcelain. I don't know. Is that the, was that the big hit? Uh, no, it was hit? like a softer, gentler version, but my grandma would hear it and she'd be like, play that song. Aw. Yeah. Aw, <laughs> oh, grandma. Oh, yeah. You know what we got to do? What? Talking to the mic better? Oh, you mind. guys, he just put a deck of Uno cards. You realize old people raised me. I literally won. I have a small trophy for a Uno competition. All right, we'll see how this goes. Okay. We'll see after this interview. Anyway, All so, right. um, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
because of, because you get into this thing, you're, 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 you this art, and you love what you do, and you're like, oh, you, you, there's a degree of expression to it, despite the fact that you're playing other people's music. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm for, have, unlike a lot of DJs, have firsthand experience like making my own original music and performing it on a stage. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. But I I love this art and. You want the fantasy is that you'll become, you'll garner enough of a following or popularity, or you have enough success that you can fly around, get a check, get put up in a nice hotel, yeah. and and then and um and then go rock the party, and the party will be wild, or you play some fucking festival, or you're you know, yeah, and and I've done those things, yeah, and it's fun, it's a lot of fun. However, um, it's not like a crazy sustainable thing. Like out of the out of the hundred DJs, only like two of them really get to do that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like in a, in any kind of sustainable way. Like we can't all be Diplo or Steve yeah. Aoki, you know, or DJ Polly D, or, D, or DJ Polly D. You know, DJ Polly. <laughs> oh God, you really you were just gaslighting <laughs> me. So, um, and so you view yourself as this artist, and then all of a sudden somebody comes along and says, "Oh my God, would you DJ my wedding?" You're like, "No, get the, what wedding." fuck away from me i'm not doing your wedding what i'm a artist i'm a fucking you know yeah and then that happened to me for maybe the like after i started to once once i became good yeah at, at this um people would ask and it, ask me to do their weddings and part of the reason part of the appeal was the fact that i have because i had a foot in the world of being in rock bands but I grew up in a large black family, so or, or a black family, so I had the stuff that we were just listening to growing up. You just hear passing, yeah. And you have all these other influences leaking in from all over the place. Um, so I had this really varied, kind of wide, very wide range of stuff. And because I was a turn, because I'm a turntablist, the technical acumen to put it all together in a way that is like f- with some skill and finesse and it's kind of flashy. Yeah. Know? And so somebody is at a, will see me and go, oh, that guy's playing like, fucking, I always go, uh, uh, that guy's playing like Creedence Clearwater Revival, <laughs> but he's also playing like Tribe Called Quest. And then he's playing, yeah. you know, and they're like, this would be perfect at my wedding, you know? So yeah. they would ask me and I'd be like, no, I'm not going to DJ a wedding. I'm too cool for that. You know, I'm too cool. Mm-hmm. Then some creative, cool, interesting people at some point asked me and I broke. I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. You know? Yeah. Uh, I th- actually, I think I did a couple beforehand that weren't as ex- aren't weren't cool. And then you were know? like, never again. And then, yeah. And then, but then I got a client that was like, we're just like art. We're like artists or some shit that you know. And, yeah. And I went and I did the wedding. And then I had the realization. I said, look, there's like, like, I just played like Patsy Cline, and somebody's fucking grandma is going nuts the same way a 21 year old now would go crazy if you played fucking you know Migos in a fucking club you know what I mean yeah. like, like like, and she's and not only that but grandma is dancing and she's listening to Patsy Cline and for the first time ever in her life she's hearing me be like I fall to pieces you know what I mean like yeah. and so she's like when is your grandma gonna see a real DJ you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and then on top of that, I can still play some other shit or some new stuff and the crazy stuff. And and not only that, everyone's dressed to the nines. Yeah. Oh, we're, I in love an, I, we're in an idyllic environment. Mm-hmm. 
And it's all because two people are like, I'm going to be awesome to you for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and the people that are most important to them are in a room. Um, and there's a nice paycheck attached to it. Yeah. So uh, I was like, this is awesome. And it's better than the club. Because the <laughs> club, I can't play weird stuff in the club you yeah. know what i mean your freedom to yeah, do a, that is limited, I, i'm sure. using this skill set that i have and i'm using this wide berth of of, of musical knowledge mm-hmm. that i have and i'm applying it to something that is literally making people happy and bringing them together now it's got its downsides it can be stressful yeah. um and you also it you know while i'm pretty selective about my clients yeah um you could also end up playing a lot of like real corny shit. There's a lot of stuff. I won't play anything that's like super offensive or anything that's really going to like that really there's very few things that go against my fiber, but Do you can but, I ask you this? What are those songs? What the that like those line dancing Chicken Dance and I don't do Well this no shit. no, like the new ones, like two step. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know those? Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, don't do, do those. Cupid Shuffle and, and all Yeah, that that's what it yeah, is. I don't do that. Yeah, I, I didn't think shit. you would. I don't do that shit. That's that's that, that because of you know, I want people to see me as the guy that does that. Like, no, fuck that. I'm trying <laughs> I am trying to elevate the wedding game. First God. of all, I did not think you did that. You thought I but did I was that. just checking I to see if that you like well, you know, sometimes when people are paying you, you kind of feel like, well, let me ask you about that. Because I feel like with the podcast, mm-hmm. there's been a few times that I have been paid to do things. Right. And what, I, chill. what I'm realizing is, is that when there is that paycheck, there is expectations of what you are going to do and you don't get to call all the shots. Yes. That is why I am a control freak and mm-hmm. don't haven't really tried to get sponsored that much because I want to be able to do whatever I want whenever That's I want. Um, um, so for you as a DJ, mm-hmm. do you have a contract where you're... Yes. And, well, of course you have a contract, but is there something in the contract saying, like, you have the freedom to play what you want? No. Is I, there any kind of, like, addressing mm-hmm. if they want you to play certain songs? Well, what what like I said, I, I, I am very... Um, I'm pretty selective about my clients. Oh, yeah. And I have a questionnaire for them before we engage. <gasps> There's a question. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. If you go to the November Electric website. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's my company, the November Electric. Mm-hmm. If you go to the, the November Electric website, there is a questionnaire on the website. And I go through that and I check out people's You're like, answers. these aren't my people. Absolutely You not. can kind of tell. You know yeah, what I mean? Because if sure they're very vehement, tell. if there's stuff that they want you to play or if there's things that they want you to avoid, you can kind of get a read on people. Also, it's very important that before I sign anything, before mm-hmm. anybody signs anything, we get to meet in person. And oh, we have to wow. Have an inter- and I have to talk to them in person. Even if you're like playing a wedding in San Diego, does yes. that mean that they pay you to fly out there no, to no, meet no. them? No, no, no. We'll have we'll have a FaceTime meeting. Oh, okay. Or, yeah, you yeah. Know, but, but, but we have to have, a, I have to meet them in person because there's a vibe you know what i mean there's a vibe it's hard it's hard when you're via skype or via you know via video chat but um but there's definitely a vibe and you definitely want to to make sure that that vibe is right because this is an important day for people yeah and and if they're if they're important if it's important for them to have the chicken dance and to have the cupid shuffle and to have the 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 casper slide and all that all that stuff if that's important to them then they should get what they want, especially if yeah. they're going to pay for it. And so I don't want to be like, I'll refer to them, refer them to someone yeah. who can do that, you know, but I'm not going to be the one that does it because I have a brand and an idea of what I want this to feel like and look like. Mm-hmm. And, um, and once we have like a conversation, once it's, you, I make everything kind of clear, I outline it in the contract and it's basically like, we will, 
I will play previously discussed music as well as other stuff. Just you know, just to have a general and and I have I have them give me lists. Yeah. That um very specific lists. I'm very specific about it as yeah. well. Um, and um because I want to crap like basically my goal is to give them a nightclub for their family. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. like like so to make a nightclub experience for your family when you have a real uh, like an actual DJ that's like you're a real DJ, you know, like that's, that's, that's one of the things that makes me, um, it makes me feel good. Um, when I DJ weddings or when I do, when I DJ anywhere for that yeah. matter, but, but usually anywhere that's a context, that's not a club. Do you have people, people come up to me and people come up and they'll look at each other and be like this. That's a real DJ in right there. Like, <laughs> I love that because they don't know what it means. They don't know what I do. They don't know the technical specifics of it. Yeah. But they just know that it, that uh, something I'm doing is quantifiable and visibly quantifiable yeah. that I am the real deal and that I'm doing it with my hands and they can put that together with, the, you know, with their with their ears and what they see, you know? I mean, I got that when Adrian's like, my friend's a DJ. And I was like, great. Yeah, you're like, everybody okay. has a friend who's, who's a DJ. A DJ right? And then I came in and I was like, oh, he's a DJ. Well, yeah. Like, real yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have a question on your que- um, questionnaire about the size of a wedding? Like, yes. what if they're like... Yes. It's going to be intimate. There's like 50 people. Yes. Half of them are children. Yes. Are you like, no dice? Uh, I might, I might second guess it, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, children have a way of sucking the air out of a room and monopolizing <laughs> a party. I feel like we get along very well for this. No yeah. offense out there if you have a lot of kids, but yeah, yeah we're not uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, people think I hate children. I don't hate children. I'm just not enamored with them. Well, they, you know, they're not your um, key demographic. Right, right. <laughs> so right. so not, I and, get and, that. And, and, they, and they have a way of, like, dominating a, a room. Like, when you're trying to have a I'm like, there's there are 200 people in this room, and most of them want to dance. But everybody's cleared out because the kid's doing a thing in the center of the dance floor. All right. It's like when break dancers at a fucking hip-hop party. Like, oh, you're like, yeah. You're just taking up space in the room. You know? It's like that scene in Dirty Dancing when they start doing the, like, tango or whatever Check in the middle of it. Check this shit out, though. What? never seen dirty dancing well i know what we're doing tonight <laughs> <laughs> that is Listen, ridiculous time of my life oh, oh. but but uh, i got in ralph's car the other day and i was like true story uh i've only been listening to the dirty dancing soundtrack yeah. on over yeah. and over again this i used week. to always get it confused with footloose oh yeah no i'm much more of a dirty dancing girl Ooh. yeah I mean, like Kevin Bacon, girl. whatever. But Patrick Swayze, come on. The Swayze. Yeah. The Swayze. Um, how long have you... When did you found... Uh, when was your company founded? Like, when did you start mm, a company? I started a company three years ago. But I've been doing it for about 10 years. I've been, I've yeah. been kind of focusing. I shifted my focus from being strictly nightclubs to being like nightclubs and private and high-end one-off events. Primarily, lots, of, most of which were uh, weddings. Um yeah. I did that about 10 years. I've done 157 weddings. Oh my no, no, not God. 57. I'm sorry. 150, 150. I think I just did my 151st. Okay. Um, and, oh, what I was getting at before was hmm. this fantasy about being the like high paid fancy celebrity oh, DJ that yeah. flies around, right? <clears throat> next thing I know, after doing a bunch of these weddings. Yeah. Next thing people are like, I'll fly you to, fly you to fucking Palm Springs to do my wedding. I'll fly you to Seattle to do my wedding. I'll fly you here. You know, I, I did a wedding in Cambodia. That's cool. I did a wedding in Australia. Whoa. And so it was like, I'm literally doing the thing. But it's just different. It's just way different. It's, and it's way yeah. different. And it's far more fulfilling than it would have been 
if I was like than it is playing at like some music festival or at some club. Yeah. Because I don't care about the alcohol. I care about the people and how the music affects the people. Yeah. And so this became this amazing thing. It became this like awesome thing where I'm like, all right, I'm going to fly to, you know, and I started to love it. And now I love I, I love doing weddings. I yeah. love it. And and I love the process of it, uh, you know, and, and crafting this thing and getting a room like, you know, something about getting three generations of people and then crushing it. Yeah. You know, and it is so much more rewarding than you DJ at a club on Saturday night. Everybody's wasted. And they're like, cool. Lights are up. We're out. Bye. They don't yeah. care about you. They're not. Unless you are. Even even when you are the draw, half the time they're just like, whatever. You know, yeah. but you're going to play this thing I heard in my car an hour ago. You know what I mean? And, and, and But a wedding is an opportunity to, to, you have a captive audience and you can play cool shit. On top of that, this another thing that I never saw coming yeah. was I become the culture guy. I did an Indian wedding and I crushed this Indian wedding. Um, I did a lot of consulting with the client. So I got a lot yeah. of Indian music, a lot of Bhangra, a lot of basement Bhangra, a lot of like um, Bollywood classics, a lot of stuff. This was a while ago. It's a long time ago. Yeah. I wound up doing this Indian wedding. So I had this like cache of like really ill, fun Indian music. And Years pass. I wind up doing another. I get hit up to do another wedding, where half of the the the, the bridal party is Indian, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, they want to hear like a lot of like classic '90s hip hop and dance and dance classics from the '90s and pop stuff from the '90s and stuff for the older folks, but they want a lot of Indian music as well." Yeah, and I was like, "I got it. I got this stuff. I can do this." And I, I didn't, you know, I consulted with them. I got some, got even more, you know, up to date Indian stuff. And I crushed this wedding. I'm crushing this wedding. So I, some friends are there. This was in L.A. Yeah. Some friends are there. It's coming to me. And they're like, could you do the thing you just did tonight? But could you do it at a, at an Armenian wedding? And I was like, yeah, sure. Sure, <laughs> like, I could yeah, do it. Whatever. Yeah, sure. You know, I'm terrified. But yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, I start consulting with them. And I start getting more. I get a bunch of Armenian music. I get all this Armenian stuff. I don't even know what Armenian music is. Dude, uh, Kim Kardashian is Armenian. So well, like, I you know, know that. Kanye West is probably Armenian. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, uh, Armenian music is it's kind of like uh, Persian, Persian music. And there's, but there's okay. lots of different kinds of it. It's just like basically like there's just it, but it's in Armenian <laughs> you know people I'm gonna it. need some playlists I, I'll hook it up but, that the, sounds but, fun. but the the um so I want to do this this Armenian way then I crush that thing next thing you know I've got this this like sh- like stream of Armenian clients I did an Armenian couple's 50th wedding anniversary where at in in Glendale Oh, L.A. Yeah, in L.A. Wow. And then I wound up doing a Romanian wedding in Chicago. I did a, um, I did uh, the wedding I did in Cambodia was where well, they were friends of mine, but it was like, a, it was like Filipino and Austrian. So Weird. I had to come up with to get this like, like uh, kind of corny Austrian club music. A couple of these <laughs> these songs had to slip in, but I wound up like getting all this stuff. Yeah. To like you know and um. And you start learning about all these different types, all these cultures and all this music. And they're like, and, I, and it's so much closer to my mission statement than being in a bar, at, you know? Playing I love remixes. being in a bar. Yeah. Because I like, I like chaos. I like that chaos. Mm-hmm. I like, the, yeah. like that chaos of like that wildness of people between the ages of 18 and 30 out just wilding the, wilding the fuck out. That's yeah. exciting too. But like that is not... That's uh, in in the Venn diagram of what my 
mission statement as a DJ is that it takes up this very thin slither. And weddings being like, you're bringing a bunch of people together and you're learning about all kinds of stuff and you're playing all this crazy music from different eras and different countries and different languages. And like, and you're like, you know, it's pretty awesome. Can I ask you some logistical questions? Get into it. Okay. Um, how many gigs do you have to play a month to sustain yourself typically? Um, it varies. It varies. Yeah. I mean, I generally I have like um, I have my residencies, so I have like so. Two, and for non people, like my country band did a residency. I understand right. what that means, but a lot of people probably don't. So a residency is when you have a, a nightclub that, or a bar, or a place, a venue of some sort that you will um, perform at a certain number of time or perform at regularly. Yeah. You you know. So I I'm at this I'm at the Slippery Slope in Chicago. Shout out to the Slippery Slope. It's my people. <laughs> um at the Slippery Slope in Chicago, usually most Saturdays. I split it with my buddy Every Carlos. Saturday? Well, I, I alternate with my friend Carlos. Okay. You know, uh, Carlos Mercado, he's another great DJ. But um um so I do the Slippery Slope on Saturdays, but I have a couple other places that I I I'll do like once a month. Mm-hmm. And so that's enough to keep a baseline of just like income. Yeah. You know. Um, can also, I ask how much slippery slope pays you? You can ask me. I won't answer. Cause can I get a check a box? No. Well, look. I tell you what. Like how I'll many? Tell numbers? What, I'll tell you what. I tell you what. I tell you what. Before, but like, um, I just have no idea how much a DJ gets paid. Well, it depends on who the DJ is, and that's why this is cre- This is why this oh, is complicated. Oh, right. That's why this is complicated. Because if you say how much you pay, then some guy's gonna exactly, hear this and be like, "They don't exactly, pay me that." Exactly, and that's the only. That's one of the reasons okay. I don't want to. I don't want to um, put anybody on blast or anything on blast. But in. Uh, it's also a situation where, like, expertise. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a veteran of 20 years. I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm very good at it. Yeah. I'm better than most, I dare, I'd dare, i say. Um, I think I'm entitled to a certain amount of money. And you are. You know what I mean? And, and that's not to say that, like, but on the same note, I also am, like, if I was broke and if I didn't, if I couldn't make a living doing this, I'd find another way to make a living and still do it because I love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love the yeah, art. Yeah, so, yeah. so like in the same breath of saying like I am, it may be a bit of um, a bit hypocritical, but um, while I do think that I deserve a certain degree, a certain amount of money, um, I don't think that anybody is entitled to make a living to do what they love to do. You're not entitled to it. Like you, well, you know yeah. what I mean? You're not, you're Absolutely. Not, like, uh, but yeah. So, but I will say that if if. Um, if I'm going to leave my house or not or commit to doing something on a Friday or Saturday night or you're going to pay me for it. You yeah. Know what I mean, and yeah, it's going to yeah. be um, uh, it's going to be a lot more than the hundred dollars that I started out getting <laughs> when I first started DJing. You know what I mean? so. so with the weddings, too, and I'm sure you're not going to say this either, but I'm going to pry. Mm-hmm. Um, How much is a wedding? Well, yeah, that I'll tell you. Oh really? Yeah, oh man. my god, tell me. Yeah, it depends. Oh well, the base. I have my base because people have. I mean, you and I both relate to the fact that we're mm-hmm. both in the wedding industry yeah. in some facets. Yes, people yes. when it comes to weddings it's and serious. engagements or any of that, mm-hmm. they like no type of economic recession is going to affect it that right. much. Like right. they will pay good money. Right. Um, it's mind blowing. Right. It's not. It's it's and I'm no cheat day, but yeah, but. A local wedding, mm-hmm. if I'm if it is in Chicago within the city limits, and it's pretty standard. Yeah, which is what like an hour or two. No, well it's it's any well any event, mm-hmm. two to four hour event. I mean, yeah. sorry, two to six hour event. 
any two to six hour event mm-hmm. is going to be with me uh, is going to be nineteen hundred dollars. Okay. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like that, and that's because uh, um, and that does not include ceremony. Mm-hmm. That does not include any kind of lighting. That mm-hmm. does not include any kind of staging. That does not include any um, what I call um, I call it customization of content. Okay. So like what 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 I mean is like if there's a big bridal party and everybody wants to come out to a different song. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean, and so yeah, I have to yeah. chop up things and I have to edit things, and I got to make things like shorter and longer and make it something to accommodate. So it becomes more of a production, like essentially you're you're part of a production. Yeah. Um, and it also doesn't include any event that has more than two hundred people. Okay. So so because if there's more than two hundred people, I have to get more stuff, more yeah. equipment. I have to bring more gear if I'm providing the gear. I have to bring more gear, mm-hmm. and if I need to bring more gear, that means I need to rent stuff. In which case, if I got to rent shit. They're paying for it. They're paying for it. And on top of that, it's also like, uh, and you need it because nothing is worse. I've had the experience. Nothing's worse than having someone try to give a heartfelt speech and having a like somebody in the back be like, we can't hear in the back. Oh, my God. I hate and that. Then, uh, and then if you try to turn it up a little bit more, then it's like, ooh, because, you, because yeah. the stuff that you have is not set up to, to handle like you know that some, kind of noise right and most yeah. people don't know how to use a microphone anyway so people oh yeah, i know you know most yeah. people most people be like it was at that time get talking on my rest of my you know you know what i mean so you're like so there's there's stuff that ha- that you have to account for so yeah so the 1900 is just the base that covers the basics me yeah. sh- me showing up or me or one of my djs one of the cats in my crew showing up and um setting up playing and doing mm-hmm. the thing for and doing all the announcements and stuff that are necessary, um, and that's pretty much it. But then the the rest of it is like, um, uh, I Spirit Airlines the clients for, from that point on. So it's like, <sighs> except 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 I'm actually good. Spirit Airlines doesn't deliver. Oh my god, product. I hate Spirit Airlines. They're the worst. They're the worst. Oh, I almost they're the had worst. to fly on them they're recently, the and it was like I, I was got a lot, a lot of miles with them though. Well, I mean, I feel like if you know what you're getting out of Spirit, if you know Spirit you know Airlines just, yeah, and you know you, how to you, use you, it right, yeah, then you're yeah. fine. Then it's just like a SEPTA bus. Yeah, it is like a SEPTA bus. bus in the sky. Chinatown bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a Chinatown bus in the sky. But it's it's so. I, but but yeah, I, I I I everything else is like a la carte that comes after that 1900, and it usually does tend to be more than 1900. Yeah. Um, it could be now that's and that's just local. That's just local. I fly all over the place all the time. And so that's a whole different thing. If and I'm, that is what I'm really interested in because mm-hmm. do they pay do they just buy your plane ticket? Sometimes sometimes they do. Yeah. Sometimes I sometimes I negotiate that or I'll talk to, talking to that. I don't I don't like I like I don't negotiate a base rate. So mm-hmm. the base rate is the base rate, period. Yeah. Anything that comes after that is what we you know, we we can discuss it and work it out, but um but the biggest logistics for an event that's out of town is that I I have to get like a place to stay. Yeah. Uh for at least two nights because I need to get in the night before. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like, like, oh, absolutely taking not. Any chances. I had a really bad and my first really terrible experience with that this past weekend it was horrifying. Oh, getting here? No, well, I had an event and I had a pharmacist show on Saturday mm-hmm. and a wedding on Sunday. Uh, I don't like to do back to backs like that, but my tour schedule just, it, there was just no way around it. And, yeah. And, um, and, the pharmacy show immediately after pharmacy show the next day the sunday morning i was gonna hop i hopped on a 6 a.m to chicago and that would give me ample time to to get my you know my stuff's already yeah. set up and ready to go but my flight got canceled 
and it was this crazy torrential downpour, and it was all this like crazy circumstances that were just out of my control. So I had to like call up uh, one of my cats, another D- another DJ, have them go cover it until I could get there, and oh then take God. over from there. It was like that sounds it, awful. It was awful, but fortunately, fortunately. Yeah. I don't fuck around with anybody that's not either as good as me or better than me. Yeah. So, like so, so whoever I sent was going to be like top shelf. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I had, had my, um, my boy Matt Roan. Shout out to Matt Roan because he crushed it, you know, do the first half of the whole thing. And then I closed out the evening. So it was still cool. And everybody had a good time and everybody was happy. Um, but that was like the that was probably like one of my worst case scenarios. Like I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my heart is sinking. This is driving me crazy. And I love the clients too. Oh yeah, I that's love the worst. them. Like like that's another thing about this is that when I fly somewhere to do an event, you stay. You, I, I usually get in a day or two early, so I'm hanging out with them. Yeah. For days, and I become friends with these people. You know what I mean? Then so they're more so, comfortable with. Then you. they're more comfortable You're not with the me. Stranger at their wedding, right? Yeah. And then I'm more comfortable with them. And then I don't want to like. And on top of that, I become even more invested. I get a perfect, a, a nice level of of um, of positive um, of like a weird positive anxiety because I don't want to let my new friends down. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? That's like, good. like, yeah. like, like mm-hmm. so, so. Um, and I so I, I get myself hype and I'm like I gotta fucking crush this thing I gotta crush it you know just like one like I, you would a show before you got on stage you know mm-hmm. and um, and it's cool it's cool but but it is expensive it's an expensive endeavor so I charge people yeah. a lot of money for for um, out of town stuff but it's not like but it's not I try to find that balance because I know how expensive this stuff is yeah. But I'm also like, you shouldn't have to like break the bank to have a killer DJ at your wedding. You know what I mean? Like, like, like yeah. let's just make I, your thing happen. Well, I was going to ask you about that too, because, oh God, you know, with my day job, it's not my choice. So, right. but there's sometimes I meet clients and you just want everybody, you know how much pressure is around weddings mm-hmm. and engagement rings and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple clients that I've worked with that I know they don't have the budget for what right. they want. Right. And it breaks my heart because right. I feel like everybody should be able to have what they want like you know well and so have like have you experienced that where you're just like i have i'll give it to you cheap because you're good people i feel like i have i had to come up with a protocol okay yeah how do you navigate that i had to come up with a protocol because the protocol because of the fact that uh, there was like a um because i would have friends and people that were close to me yeah i would just like implement a a discount a percentage discount and i'd be like here's the deal now and there's tiers of it mm-hmm. but like a kind of friends and family kind of discount like i would have like a friends and family discount that would be based on like uh it'd be like 15 percent discount because you're a friend yeah or you're you're a good acquaintance you yeah. know what i mean but you can't go around giving that to everybody this is like a, no. this is like a special path and on top of that um there's i, I on top of that there's a like tears of like I have some people that I'm like I can't charge you anything for your event. I yeah, love, I love you. You're my person. You know what I mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but there's also people that who <laughs> I have I got friends who like I've made because I DJed their wedding and I've been friends with to this day. And they're like, <laughs> we want you to come do this thing. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this because I don't want to charge you anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But, but, um, it gets complicated. Uh, it gets a little complicated. It gets a little complicated. I mean, jewelers get that a lot because oh, people are like, sure. oh, can you make my wedding ring for blah, blah, blah? And you're like, yeah. fuck. Well, 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 well that's when why I, I don't like making wedding yeah. rings for friends because I, yeah. 
really can't charge them. Well, there's two there's two ways two ways to two ways that I navigate this. And don't be coming at me, friends, because I just said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's two ways. There's two ways. There's two ways. Two ways to navigate this. Yeah. One, you come up with the flat rate discount. Mm-hmm. That you that way you still and you keep everything above board. You do everything the way you would with a normal client. You give them the contract, all the stuff, because you don't want to see some friendship go south because yeah. you, you know what I mean. So, but if you have everything written out and you have it all set up and you have and you implement a, a, a discount, you know that 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 you've done something to help them out to to kind of accommodate for that. Yeah. Another way that I do things, if it's really good friends, what I'll do is I'll be like, this is what I normally would charge for this event. You give me whatever you want. Oh yeah. You give That's me whatever you want, and this this you give me whatever you want. Um, and no amount is insulting. You know what I mean? No amount. Ma- it's no nice ma- you say that last part because no amount that is would insulting. be really hard. Yeah, like no amount is insulting if you if you you know, but you will. But if it's something that's like out of town or something that's going to be a thing you're going to have to like put me up somewhere, and we're going to have to figure out how to get the gear. You might have to pay for the gear. Yeah. But but. No amount is insulting. Here's what I would normally charge charge someone, and but I'll leave it up to you, you know. And yeah. so that way, you you you're you're you know you leave that space for people that you. I think it's important to be be um uh to leave to have that space. Also, yeah. I charge enough money of other people that I can you can offset it. Like, yeah, I'm, you, you know what I mean. It. I can offset yeah. it. There's so so it's like people that are, are, are um um you know. Like I get enough stuff from people that are not my close friends that I mm-hmm. can make space for people that are, you know, people that I do care about. That's so, not to say that I don't care about you if I charge you full <laughs> price. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> get that disclaimer out here. Charge you a full price uh-huh. out there. So, well, you have a company, but do you have any employees? Yeah, I got a couple other DJs that. What? Uh, yeah. So you made your like little empire? Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not as on autopilot as I wanted to be yet, though. Yeah. I, my goal is to have um, my goal is to have at least five events going on mm-hmm. on any given weekend that oh, wow. I don't have to DJ any of them. So what are you at right now? Right now, it's just me doing all the stuff. So yeah, well, enough, you got people that are doing. This. I got people that can do this right now. They I don't fill have to. In for I don't have to farm can. out any gigs because mm-hmm. like. My roster of DJs is like I said. I want them to be ill. I want them to be yeah. ill turntable. So I only have like four other people, mm-hmm. or th- uh, three other people. I'm sorry on my roster, and they're literally like ones in LA, ones in Chicago, ones here, one mm-hmm. you know, and and um, and there's a couple that I haven't officially put on the roster, but will do some stuff if I hit reach out to them. Yeah. Um. So it's a I, I, I want um, and but but right now I don't have like. I don't have the volume of clientele. Um, well, I do, I do, but you only have so many hours in a day or a week. Yeah, but I have I have the volume of like like I could have a lot more clients. Yeah, but I don't want to say yes to everything mm-hmm. until I have. A system in place where all where when I, where I'm totally comfortable because like you said you're a control freak you know what I mean you want yeah. your, your brand and you want everything to be cool I don't want to micromanage everybody but I also want it to be on brand I want if somebody gets November Electric an event from November Electric then I want them to know they're gonna get some cool ass like 
ill turntablist DJ that is going to be able to like rock the party and do all the stuff that needs to be done, but do it with skill and finesse and a certain aesthetic. And so right now I do most of it myself. Yeah. Most events myself. I definitely screen all the administrative stuff. That's all me. But, um, so when I, you know, it gets tricky because I'm like, people will be like, I want you to do my thing. I'm like, okay, just go onto this website and fill out this, this, this questionnaire. And it seems kind of impersonal. I'm like, I'm not blowing you off. I check all that stuff personally. It's just so that I'm organized and that I know when I sit down to do my admin, I'm yeah. like, okay, I know I'm, you know, anyway. Um, yeah. So there's a couple people that do events for me that are, are, are at the ready to do events for me. I don't have enough volume to have them all farmed out every weekend yeah. yet, but that's kind of a choice because I want to have all of the mechanisms in place um, to do this correctly and maintain the branding of it. Well, slow and steady. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I feel you on that. I'm slow yeah. and steady with this. I'm mm-hmm. real slow, but mm-hmm. I'm steady. When are we going to get these goddamn these sponsors? <laughs> when are we going to get these sponsors, Sarah Brown? Oh, Brown? man. When I have time to have like a consistent schedule with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, people have asked me that, and that's a big reason why I haven't, really done it is Uh because for instance like today I should have produced an episode and put it out because it would have been every other week but I also said yes to during this other show so I spent all day during applications and then you know like my work is crazy because we're in the middle of wedding season Mm -hmm. so it's like I get done with work right now Mm -hmm. and I can't come home and work on the podcast like I need to cook and shower and do my laundry and go to sleep. You're so industrious. What? You're so industrious. You're so busy. You're so like prolific. You're always like doing stuff. Yeah, but but if I was contracted for the podcast where, you know, you have to set a schedule. You have to mm-hmm. be more upfront about like, okay, well, if you're paying for you know, promotions or advertising on a podcast, you expect it to be aired at a certain time. Mm-hmm of day on a certain day, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I can't promise that right now. I guess I could if I really truly did not want to have a life. Get a partner. A what? Get a partner in a podcast, co-host. See, like I don't trust anybody. Trust me. Well, you live in Chicago, you Ralph. You trust me. So. <laughs> I'm like, you don't live here, Ralph. Hello, this week on Perceived Value, my guest I know, is someone's Sarah like, why Ryan. don't you hire a producer? But actually, I, that's like a the part that I find fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like I'm not giving that up. That's like the cool part where I get to sit in my room by myself and like write out my intro and record yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Is that what you mean when you say producing, like editing? That's what you mean by that, right? What are you talking about? A podcast? Well, you're like, I'm a producer. And oh, I'm no, like, when I say producer, I mean that I produce, I make songs from from nothing. Ah, <laughs> like, like right. I'll, and I'll produce yes. the track, like I'll make it, and occasionally I'll get somebody. Um, so am I'm, I using the right lingo when I say yeah, I'm producing yeah, yeah, an yeah. episode? There's producer. The producer is such a vague. It's such a vague title. <laughs> well, like you know, I know Timbaland. He's right, a producer. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you like well, when I'll, I throw those out there. Exactly. Sometimes I'll, I'll take and you know I'll take another a person who's a, a, a who has a song and I say, hey, give me this song. Let's let's turn it. Let's make it. Yeah, a producer. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you get your Leah in there, and then you produce it, and then it's a hit. Oh, oh I know. R. Kelly in Chicago, all the Leah and all that stuff. Oh, oh why God. did you just say R. Kelly on my podcast? Sorry, I'm saying this because you said Leah, and it made me feel bad. Oh, thing God, that guy's so gross. He's, Woof. He's pretty bad. He's pretty bad. Uh, he's, he's pretty bad. Absolutely terrible. He's pretty fucking bad. Pretty bad. <sighs> we, just, well, we just talked about him on the DJ podcast. Oh, did you? Because yeah. we talked about gross. the idea of content and all this stuff. Anyway. What? I haven't even watched those documentaries yet. Good. Good. 
good. And they freak me out, but I, I will know, watch them eventually. Um, so, Ralph. Yes. You know, <laughs> speaking of timelines, this is not going to air for a while. But, I mean, so don't promote any specific I got a upcoming. party tomorrow night. <laughs> you do, I'm playing actually. At the, fo- at, the, at the photo club. Photo club. And I'm playing the night after that at the Lunar Inn. Wait, so you finally re- figured out what the name of that gig is? I think so. It's let called the Lunar sure. Inn? Yeah, let me make sure. I well, again, remember. this is not going to air on time. Let me get sure. Let but me I'm me. bringing me and I'm bringing Rachel the blacksmith that you met. No SIM card installed. That was weird. I got a weird message. Oh, now he's looking at his phone while he's podcasting huh? with what? me. What? First of all, I thought I, w- I had the, you know, the only interview, but apparently I'm one of three podcasts this guy's doing this week. What? Podcast? What? What happened? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> no, I'm trying to look up this, um, the, make sure that my, my, my peep, my boys. Well, I can't promise I'm going to be a photo club, but I am going to be the one on Sunday night. I just want you to be at everything, Sarah. I need to work. I know you do. I need to get some things done. You need to work on hanging out with me um, all the time. So when people are in Chicago, though, you do have a residency at yes. Slippery Slope. Slippery Slope. I've see. been there. Mm-hmm. I can vouch for it. It's a good it's time. Pretty <laughs> it's wild. It's pretty wild. <laughs> uh, come see me at the Slippery Slope. Come see me at, um, uh, well, go to DJMajorTaylor.com, and they'll, I'll usually post up something or other. Mm-hmm. Or hit me up on uh, Facebook or Instagram. What's at, your Instagram? Yeah. My Instagram is at, uh, it's Ralph Darden. I think it's wrapped already. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't know if that was your private one, and then you have a public one for DJ. Yeah, that's what right now, as of now, it's just Ralph Darden. Do you have uh, one for November Electric? I do, I do. Okay, I gotta follow you there. I do, and I have. um, um, So follow me there. Uh, If you got a wedding, holler. I was just gonna say, you got not even just weddings. Like I really love corporate events and rap parties for movies. Do you do bar mitzvahs or bat? I've never done a bat mitzvah before. Really? I've never done a bar mitzvah before. A lot of Jewish friends and acquaintances, but I've never. Have you ever done the Sweet Sixteen party for like a really rich kid? Remember that MTV show, Sweet Sixteen? I did do I did do a party for like P Diddy. I I think it might have been like I did a party for like a Diamond Baron. Wow, that's like Diamond guy. Yeah, it was really fucking weird. It was it was out in the middle of the sticks and um, but I think it was his daughter's birthday. Have you ever done a party for a celebrity? (laughs) I did one thing for (laughs) um I, th- I think Kanye West put it together. Oh, okay. But I think that I was just like this. They were like, oh, and we need another DJ a DJ to do one of the things, you know. Like, yeah. So I did that. Uh, it was like this big thing at the hotel, at the Hard Rock Hotel when I had first moved to Chicago. Mm. Um, I've done, I've done events. <laughs> no. I'm going to say no. <laughs> You're not even going to say I'm going to say no. But you but, will tell but, me off but, air. But, but, but there's, there's, well, I just told this story, but. There was a. I did an event on a New Year's party. <laughs> the New Year's party at Rooftop Hotel in Florida, and there was a. Um, it was a. It was at a pool. There mm-hmm. was a pool. Of there. course. And Jamie so, Foxx was there. Okay. Yes. And he was there with his family. Okay. And so they're all hanging out, having a good time at this New Year's party. And per, before I went on, it was after midnight. I did two sets. I did one set from ten to ten to like eleven forty-five. Yeah. And then I did another set from uh, like two to four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, between me, between my two sets, was this lady. She was like this this pretty model lady, model yeah. looking lady. She was a serviceable DJ. She was all right, you know. Yeah. She's she's pretty good, but um, but like not particularly impressive. Yeah. You know? Um, and. 
to have this crowd of like, especially if you're dealing with a crowd of like celebrity of proxies of a celebrity and his entourage, like all these black people looking at this like model looking white girl with blonde (laughs) hair and a fucking cocktail dress. They're going to be like this. This corny. What's this? Why don't you play that? Why don't you play? You know, and they're going to. Yeah, they were just giving her a hard time. Uh, so when I, by the time I came back to get on, she was fucking frazzled. Oh, man. That, I felt, sucks. I felt, that sucks. No, it totally sucked. It's like that thing. Like that, that like, yeah, you know, exactly. Like, yeah, it's, it's, but it's different in her case because you're a fucking DJ. You know mm, what I'm saying? Yeah. You sign up for, you know, it's part of the psychology of it. It is part yeah. of the process. Like, like, it's one thing if somebody's judging you for what you listen to in your house and in your car, but it's another thing when you're like, I'm a person up here who's curating what you should be listening to and controlling this room. Mm-hmm. People, it is everyone's fucking right. I don't even like doing it on road trips anymore. Right, right. It's like, it's like you know, so it's, it's but I did feel bad for her because, yeah. I, you know, I felt bad for her. I felt like, um, so I get on and I start playing and there's a little guy. He's like Jamie Foxx's proxy dude. Yeah, and he's like Louise. Like, eh, eh, yes, Jamie wants to hear this new song, his new song. And I'm like, sorry, I don't take requests, uh, <laughs> which I don't. I generally don't, unless yeah. you know if it's a private, unless it's a private private event, maybe I'll consider it. But but yeah. like at a club on a Saturday night, fuck no, I don't take requests from anyone. I don't care who you are. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm like. I'm like, no, sorry, but I don't take requests. I want you to have a good time, though. I hope you're having fun, you know? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I want to hear this, and Jamie wants to hear that, and yeah, and he's trying to, like, kind of bogart me, and I'm like, I'm sure that this poor woman before me was like, uh, uh, it was probably driving her fucking crazy, but yeah. I was like, this ain't gonna drive me fucking crazy. I don't care. I don't, because I really don't care. I get to check regardless, you know? Yeah. Um, And so, I start playing, and I'm crushing it. I'm abs- I'm fucking murdering it. It's a good time. <laughs> I'm murdering people are having a good time. Come around like three forty five, people start to peter out. They start to leave. Okay. Yeah. Four in the morning, I get you it. Yeah, it's almost four in the morning. It's three three o'clock. Also, uh kinda as an aside, uh at the time mm-hmm. there's a singer, R B singer from Philadelphia, Teddy Pendergrass. Teddy Pendergrass is amazing. He wrote mm-hmm. a lot of like awesome syrupy, sexy songs. Um, when he died, I was feeling some kind of way, and I was like, "Man, I want to do a set of just like sexy ass, like fucking like old soul songs, from, you know?" Yeah. Like, uh, uh, in the and I called this set my syrup set. It was like just hot, <laughs> sticky, like syrup. You oh know? my god, that's weird. Right, right, yeah, it. yeah, exactly. It was, yeah, it was yeah, you know, it's so good. It's like an Ohio Players album cover, like you know, this is the just like so. I came with this syrup set. Sir upset can't play it out at a club on a Saturday night generally because people are going crazy. You know what I mean? Like they want to get hype and they want to. They're not trying to. And so, uh, the party starts to peter out, mm-hmm. and to the point where it's literally like maybe one or two small groups of people, mm-hmm. and Jamie Fox in his entourage. Oh no! And it's this group of black people, you know, mm-hmm. varying ages. You know, his mom was there. Oh, that's nice. Jamie Fox's mom was there. And I thought to myself, it's time to hit him with the syrup. <laughs> it's time to pour. I was like, it's time to put some syrup on it. <laughs> I was like, all right, here we go. So I start playing all these slow jams. And keep in mind, we're talking about like slow songs from 1978 up to 1995, yeah. maybe 90, you know, mid 90s. And, and I start hitting them with the syrup and they go apeshit. They go crazy. They're like, oh, 
shit. Oh, you know, they're going nuts. And I'm like, I'm fucking smashing it, you know. And keep in mind, they're like on the other side of the pool. Yeah. And I'm fucking smashing it. They're going crazy. They're going fucking crazy. And now it's like, I'm looking at my watch. It's it's like 3.57. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I got one more song. So I think I played like a Prince song or nice. so jo- or like Jodeci or some, something, you know, some like slow, sexy shit. And I play it. And literally, I was like this, and beer at at three fifty nine, like at four o'clock on the dot, middle of the song, just fucking stop. And they're like, "Whoa, hey, yo," you know. And I was like, um, "Like that's and, all they paid me for." And I started to like pack up my stuff. I started to pack up. Jamie, and I see Jamie Fox break away from the crowd, from the audience. He comes walking towards me, doing this like fucking, fucking aggressive strut. He comes over to me. Like like fucking George Jefferson, he comes over to me and goes, what, 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 "What's going on, Playboy? What's happening? What's going on?" And I was like, uh, "How you doing, Jamie Fox?" Uh, because every time I encounter a, a celebrity, you gotta say their first say, and last say their name. Whole name. Yeah, I'm like, "How you doing, Jamie Fox?" He goes, "Yeah, uh, uh, what's what's going on?" I was like, "Uh, well, the party's over." He's like, "What you what you just done? You just finished like that?" And I was like. Yeah, I mean, I'm only contracted to go till four in the morning, Jamie Fox. And he goes, "Oh no, no, see, you know what? You ain't got to worry about that. You ain't got to worry about no, mm-mm. oh, see." And he reaches into his jacket pocket and he pulls out just rack of hundred dollar bills, just racks of hundred, just starts throwing them at me like I'm a stripper, just festooning the turntables with hundred dollar bills. And he's, you know, throwing them all over turntable, and I stand there with my hands up in the air. Look all like trepidatious, like 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 suspicious of the whole thing, and I'm like, well, look, Jamie Fox, you ain't gonna have me up in here like holding me hostage all night long, telling me what to play. Cause no, 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 you do your thing, okay? You do what you do. You was you was doing your thing, okay? You do what you do, and I said, okay, and I like scoop up <laughs> all this fucking hundred dollar bills, and I, I think it was like seven hundred dollars or something like that. And I scoop up all these hundred dollar bills and stuff them in my pocket real quick, and just launch back into this set. And they fucking went ape shit. They went crazy. And then, um, and how then they did. How long did you play? The, with the first song when I went back into well, it? Well, no, like for the rest of the night? Like, how long did you play? I played for 20 minutes, then they left. Are you serious? That is the most money I have ever made. You got $700 for 20 minutes yes. from Jamie Foxx. Yes. Yes. I hate you. You know what? Yes. I don't feel bad that you bought my cheeseburger tonight. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't buy a cheeseburger. Jamie Foxx bought Jamie Foxx bought my cheeseburger. Jamie Thank you, Jamie Foxx. That's Jamie good. Fox I even got French fries. Yeah, you got mm. French fries for yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that is amazing. Yeah, so that was like that was that's probably my um, one of my favorite uh, DJing for a celebrity stories because I didn't actually DJ for him. No, but I, but I have DJed for. I mean, what am I talking about? Actually, I've DJed a bu- for a bunch of. I've DJed rap parties all the time. <laughs> like, Never mind. Rap parties. Rap parties for movies. Oh, yeah. rap parties, yeah, not rap R-A-P. We're no, talking no, 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 no. I DJ, I DJ rap parties for films all the time. Like, oh, that would be fun. It's great. Ron Howard, like, like uh, oh. Vince, um, uh, what's um, Vince Vaughn? Like, yeah, I've done, I've done them from. I've done parties for a ton of this. Like, and like, Ron Howard. Ron Howard was like, "You're you're a really great DJ, man. You're great." I was like, "Thanks." <laughs> I was like, "Thank you, Ron Howard." Thank you, sir. That is I was like, here's so my card. I did a, ridiculous. He, he, he referred me to Steven Soderbergh. Okay. To DJ the rap party for 
um, Contagion, that movie that saw. Oh, nope. Never watched it. Uh, Can't do those kinds of movies. Yeah, I did the, uh, what, what the uh, apocalyptic. Yeah. Can we just keep recording it? And this will be from my podcast now. <laughs> yeah, we can just keep going. Let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Actually, I'm done. You done? Oh. I'm sleepy. I'm, I'm pretty sleepy, too. Yesterday was the 4th of July. Yeah, it was. This was, what, like. Today is the 5th of July. No, Tomorrow's but I'm saying. going to be the 6th of July. <laughs> but I'm saying this is probably like, well, if we were recording mm, almost an hour, almost two hours. Mm-hmm. You recorded like what earlier? Like three, three hours, hours or something? Three hours. Something like that, that gets exhausting. It's pretty exhausting. I know I got to sit all the way in the chair and I got to move my mouth up and down. Mm, and but it's a different type of exhaustion. I know. It's like sitting in an office mm-hmm. working. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm so pleasant to be around Ralph you are and we're living it up our new best friendship yeah yeah we got a few more days while you're in town yeah Yeah. we're gonna hang out a whole lot yeah yeah we're gonna play some uno we're gonna watch dirty dancing I'm about to hit you with the what yo draw four you don't even know I'm gonna let you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna follow up on the podcast and let everybody know who wins let's do let's do another episode we can do a bonus episode let's do an episode let's do a follow-up episode Oh, we'll do that. I'm coming back in a couple, in about a month and a half. Oh, we you will. You don't even have to air it like, you know, you can air it whenever. But Yeah, no, you'll be a, it'll be a bonus episode. And, and, I, and I'm sure that you're listening public. Like, it, it's, it was, it, they're going to be like, yo, what's up with Ralph? He was, <laughs> I enjoyed Ralph? listening to him for, I'm good for at least 20 likes. <laughs> oh my gosh. For yeah, you are. Likes. Yeah, you are. It, it was great. So is, is this a rap? Is it a rap? Yeah, I got to do my rap thing. I, no. I, I close it. No. Okay. Well, you know, it's still my podcast. But it was great. It was good. It was good. You were good. I was good. You feel good about we it? Were, we were great. I feel really great. I feel like we I got fantastic. so much more insight to, you know, how a DJ makes a living. Yeah, just so much more. I didn't even tell you all the stuff. I, I know. I well, like, like, you know, all my other stuff. Drug trafficking and... You know, <laughs> okay, all stuff. right, all right, all right. Freelance pet assassin. Now he's know. just lying, everyone. Uh, all right. Well, hey, thank you. Hey, Thank you for having me. And thank you to Adrian Dalton for like connecting us. Oh my us. God, Adrian Dalton. She's amazing. I love you. If You're anybody amazing. doesn't know who she is, she's the editor of Metalsmith Magazine and she's just a fantastic human. She really is. Yeah. She is a, she's a, she is a, yes. She's a good person. She is the best. Yeah. She's the best. All right, everyone. This has been another episode of Perceived Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with artists and DJs. and musicians (laughs) and musicians until next time Perceived Value is recorded and produced by me Sarah Rachel Brown if you love the podcast and you want to show your support become our patron visit patreon.com slash perceived value to learn more or check out our website at perceivedvaluepodcast.com and click on the support page as always Thank you for listening.